0: Hey, welcome to the 316th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McVale and Andrew Logan; They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional... 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I just uh, wrapped up a, another look back at the Stanley John Romita senior era of amazing Spider-Man. And uh, this coming week, uh, I'm going to do something different. So we'll, we'll see. I haven't f- quite figured that out yet. I got to get on that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G man from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash G Man from Heck. This week's show, our movie feature is a haunting in Venice. So the, the latest of the Agatha Christie movies. They're, it seems like they're 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 working pretty quickly on, on this, which is a good thing. The, the, the movies are, are enjoyable. So you can hear about that. And then uh nothing new, no new um new uh shows to the you get what I'm saying? Nothing new. St- more new episodes, nothing brand new for the first time, if that makes sense. So we'll be talking about two episodes of Fiona and Cake because they're doing two a week. Uh, I don't know why. Um, and then we have Ahsoka. Holy cow. That was a, that was some episode. And then the season finale of Twisted Metal, and I hope there is a season two. And uh, the penultimate episode of uh, Harley Quinn plus comics. And... Some news. Uh, The trailer was released for Aquaman 2. Aquaman, Aquaman. It's always, for some reason, whenever I say Aquaman, and if you say it a lot, it just just sounds so weird to me. I don't know what most words do, but something about Aquaman. Uh, The trailer was released, and um, it it looks good. I, I, I can't say that I necessarily loved the first Aquaman movie. It was fine. You know, Jason Momoa is, is, is fine as Aquaman. You know, I, I can appreciate what he's done. You know, he wasn't, like, my first choice casting. Not that I had any choice. But he's, you know, he does a good role to it and, you know, added some, you know, different kind of life to it, I guess. You know, just kind of in a different direction. And, you know, he's, he's a fun character, the way he's, he's, the way Momoa plays him. And the trailer looks like, you know, it looks like we're going to have a little, like, like bromance buddy action whatever you want to call it and um okay that, that's fine it's just a bummer because so many people are going to be like you know no one's going to see it they're like oh it doesn't matter what but it's just like it's, it's 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 what it is i mean if you like the first one who's not going to go see it i don't understand that if you like superhero i will see any superhero movie that comes out and it, well, you're not going to watch it because oh no there's not going to be an aquaman 3 so what I mean when when you watch anything these days there you can't, there's no gear. I, maybe people are just so used to the marvel you know everything's connected and there's always something else but that's not not the case anymore you know when you watch I'm I'm trying to I don't can't even think of of something uh yeah like you know so does this last transformer movie it's the first thing that comes to mind you know it's it's supposed to be earlier in the franchise, and maybe it's not the best example, but I went into watching it not necessarily thinking that there's going to be another one after this. I mean, obviously, they're, they're probably going to want to do you know, as many Transformer movies as they can, but I was kind of looking at it because this has taken place before the, the original whatever Michael Bay movies. We're not necessarily going to get a direct sequel to It doesn't mean I'm not going to go see it. I went and saw it. And I'm trying to, think, you know, like another example or even even like, OK, gr- well, Gran Turismo. Is there going to be a Gran Turismo 2? I wouldn't expect there to be. Obviously, they could. I, I don't like I'm not demanding one because I, I think the story, the story was what the story was. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just I, don't know, I, I think too many people are just it, it just seems silly that if you like the first one and especially all the Snyder Bros, the Snyder Army, you know, if, if you're so up in arms that, you know, those are the best things ever, that sh- doesn't that include Jason Momoa's Aquaman? So, you know, Mr. Zack Snyder maybe didn't direct Aquaman 1, but, you know, his fingerprints are kind of on it or whatever. I don't know. I'm going to see it. And plus there's going to be, like, nothing else in theaters maybe. So I think it's still this December. Uh, there's another trailer that came out. Uh, I forgot the date for this. A totally killer. It's a Blumhouse movie and it has Kiernan Shipka, which I, 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 she seems like such a cool person. I mean uh, and you know she was Sabrina. she was in Mad Men, you know she's been in other things. and she just has I don't know there's just something about her just like she just it has this vibe, this energy. so I, I look forward just to seeing this movie with her. I know she's on some other stuff that I haven't seen. I think she did maybe like one movie and it was on Hulu or something like that. I should watch it someday. Olivia Holt is in this. Who was in Dagger and in *Cloak and Dagger*? She was also in *Cruel Summer*. A really good show that some people just refuse to watch to see first season. I don't, don't, I can't tell you anything about the second season, which I, I think it's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with the first season. I think it just seems so bizarre. Uh, but it's basically it's kind of like *Back to the Future* but horror. So this kieran ship her mom is uh, the mom from uh, uh modern family and the, the, you know her mom in the 80s there was like this killer or something like that i, I forget what they they call it the beauty you know, dreamy dream guy killer or something i don't know and she ends up kieran Shipka ends up going back in time and sees like her her mom in, in high school and and stuff and there's this killer and it just looks like it's a lot of fun, and I, I would I will totally watch that. I, I can't wait. Um, something is, is I I'm curious to watch it. I don't know if I'm going to watch it anytime soon. But Werewolf by Night is I think it's available now. You can watch, I think it was on the fifteenth, and I think it's so Werewolf by Night. Remember is is the like the hour long black and white Disney Plus movie special, and it was it was just really cool being in black and white. It had its just own, own vibe and all, all that stuff like that. But they re- they're releasing a color version. Color version is available, and it's also going to be on Hulu up until up through Halloween. So you can watch it on Disney Plus or Hulu if you, you know if you don't have one or the other. And it, it's it's it was going to be. I think it would be very interesting watching in color because I was under the impression that when they filmed it, you know, they probably knew that they were going to be in, in black and white. So knowing you're going to be in black and white, I feel like you can cut some corners, not that you're being lazy or anything like that, but just, it's just, you don't have to worry about dressing up the set so much because it's gonna be black and white. And also I would think if it's gonna be black and white, you'd want to have certain things, a certain color. Like you may not want something yellow because that's not gonna translate to black and white. It's gonna be, you know, you need to really have more, I don't know, I don't know how that works, but um, I, I want, maybe they they had to fix things and, in, in, you know, c- color, I don't know. I'm, if you watch it, let me know. I, I I'm really really curious, but I just I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to watch anytime soon. So speaking of something I, I want to watch, A One Piece. I, I see part of me is like I would like to talk about One Piece for this show. I feel like it's it's so after the fact now. I know that seems silly, but uh, I don't know. But anyways. I mentioned, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. they were like, like, yeah, we have a season two written already. We're just waiting, you know, for the the, the go ahead. Netflix has officially renewed it, but they still can't do anything because there's no writers. Although, I mean, the writing is done, so that's good. But there's no actors, so I don't know, like, how much pre production would you want to do? You know, you can like scout locations and build sets or build you know build make costumes but you don't want to be sitting on this stuff for too long because you know the actor strike is it going to be another week is it going to be another six months and yeah so i, I don't know i i, I still think um buddy told me that i forgot who said this i don't know who who where he heard it from uh, it was like some uh, some uh, executive was saying that if like the strikes don't get settled there's not going to be like the the next season is is of network stuff it's not going to happen i'm I'm assuming it's network tv because the networks are really the only ones that stick to the traditional season you know like the the september october to may you know because you always have the may sweeps and it wasn't like november sweeps that's when they try selling you know all the money or all the spots to advertisers in that but i i that just seems silly so it's like okay if the strikes don't get settled, then we're not going to have anything in the 2023-2024 season. That just seems stupid because if if things get settled by Thanksgiving, you can start making some stuff and maybe February you have new new stuff or you say, oh, no, we're not going to do it because it's too late to, to see. I, I would be like, people are going to be hungry for new content. You know, we, they got to be dipping into the can, whatever is done. And you look at everything, you look at all the, the shows on Max or on Hulu or Netflix, whatever, they drop, they drop all the time. So who is really going by this season thing anymore? It's just the networks. And, and maybe that it's, they're the ones dealing with advertisers. But, man, the times are changing. And I, I, I feel like if people aren't finding new content on network TV, then they might start going elsewhere. You know, the only reason I have like cable channels mainly is for like the CW. And you know, if there's anything else, if there's like no new content, then I'd be like, all right, I'm out of here. And you know, even now I'm debating. You know, since since they canceled my beloved Gotham Knights show, <laughs> my guilty pleasure that I only talked about once on the I, I guess I talked about it twice on the podcast. So uh, maybe it's time to get rid of cable. I mean. Although I, I got my ridiculousness to watch, is ridiculousness available on Paramount TV, Paramount Plus? Because it's Viacom. I don't even know. Um, Kite. Speaking of Max, I think I mentioned Max. Kite Man. Hell yeah! Trailer was uh, our teaser was released. Okay, um, I can appreciate Kite Man. You know, he's a fun character and all that. But I just wonder how annoying he might be after a while. Because I mean. I guess there's something about it you know he he's like a loser character and that that's his, his whole whole thing so it, it does make things a little interesting where instead of having like the perfect you know hero and he's not a hero he's a villain so having you know this major you know people like the flawed characters and he is like majorly flawed so it, it could be interesting to, to see how that goes a Lando Calrissian so Donald Glover's Lando um, thing it's not going to be a a Disney Plus show. Now they're saying it's gonna be a movie. That makes me wonder it's like, okay, uh, are they trying to cut you know, instead of worrying about like doing six hours, they only have to do like two hours or whatever. And if if that's all that there is to the story, that's fine. You know, don't drag it out just to drag it out. But if they can tell the story in two hours, because you know, for me, I would I, I while I enjoy going to the movies, there is something about the, the series because you know, if you can get six hours, eight hours, whatever, you know, because if, if we do a movie, let's say a movie's successful, we're gonna next it's gonna be what two years at least, three years till we get like more. And when you have your series, you know, they they tend to go a lot quicker. I don't know. Uh, Daphne Keane was reportedly in talks to reprise her Lori King, her X23 role in uh Deadpool 3. So this is before the strikes happen. They're supposed, supposedly, we're talking about that. It's starting to get to be like there's too many people, and you know whether you know if someone's in there just for a minute. There, you know, it, it was there's You had the novelty of seeing these characters return and all that, but now if it's just like everyone, then that that's just gonna. I feel like it's gonna lose some charm if you're seeing like everyone come back and, I don't know, like almost like what's what's the point? Remember that movie *Brightburn*? That was a James Gunn movie, I think it was 2019, I'm going to say, they're making a sequel, it's, it's, it's somehow in, in development, so it's like, all right, um, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that, I like the first movie, and I, I, I've always, I've wanted to watch it again, but, you know, that's not going to happen anytime soon, so we'll, we'll see what they can do, uh, no, no one's, there's no act, directors or act, anyone attached to it, so it's just like, I'm assuming, so I just wonder, is, is it going to be like the kid older now, is he going to be an adult? You know, I don't know. Oh, also with with Deadpool, there's there's a report. Maybe Daniel Radcliffe was is, is somehow maybe involved. Okay, we'll see. I like Daniel Radcliffe. He's he's really good. She, she's Guns Akimbo. Watch that movie. Uh, here's some some kind of weird news. So Bill Willingham, he's an interesting fellow. He's he's a great writer. You know, fables. I love fables. I remember when I started reading fables. You know, I didn't read it from the beginning. I just I started reading like the trade, and then you know, then I got a couple of trades and I was just like gobbling it up. And this was a time where my daughter was young, so you know, she was like super into, you know all the Disney princesses, and then reading fables was like those same characters but different, you know. And I don't want to say like adults, you know, mature situations. And it was just a lot of fun reading those. But he's uh, I guess he's had some frustrations with DC. And, you know, he, he said that according to his words, you know, it used, to, it used to be a bunch of honest people there and everything. And now every, all those people are either fired or quit. And so now there's supposedly stuff with like royalties and just all these different disagreements, basically. So he's like, all right, as of this moment, I release these all the fables of characters, you know, Bigsby Wolf, all that stuff. It's all public domain now. Because I don't know how exactly how it works, but, you know, it was like a creator-owned thing, sort of, like, at DC, even though it was DC, because, you know, it's through Vertigo. And so I don't know if how much of the rights he owned, if he owned all the rights or whatever, but he's just like, it's all out there. He's like, I'd rather see, like, other people do their own stuff with it and everything like that. <laughs> but then DC, after that, they're like, nuh-uh. <laughs> they're like, like no, we own the rights I don't know how that works. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure with, you know, DC, with Warner Brothers lawyers, they can figure something out because, you know, there, there's money to be made because whether Bill Willingham not writing, you know, they, they could still try to make more comics. I didn't read any of the, the more recent stuff, which I was like surprised because the series ended and then it came back. I was like, what? But, you know, with the video games, you know, they could always try to, you know, there's, there's potential there and... and yeah, I'm sure there would be some people who are like, oh, Bill Willingham's on fall. Screw that. I'm not going to, you know, it would be like reading Sandman without Neil Gaiman. It would just be so unheard of. I don't know. So we'll see. <laughs> I, I just don't know if he can just say, yep, yeah, public domain. There you go. I'm, I'm relinquishing the rights. And they're like, no, you can't do that. So that was just kind of interesting. And uh, the last bit of news, <laughs> shake my head time. So the, the Crow, you know, we're getting this Crow reboot movie, and I totally get why it's just so hard to to buy into it, which is, you know, it's just a personal thing. I, I guess the producer, he's envisioning a Crow extended universe. Not really sure what that means. You know, they're, they're talking like, you know, maybe it could be like video games and other, you know, other other stuff beyond. But then I th- I think there's mention how, you know, even though the first movie, there was a, like the TV show and there were sequels, none of them had like the same character. So, there, you know, maybe maybe the idea is... Okay, let's have Eric Draven if they use. I think they're using Eric Draven, but let's have you know him in more than one movie, which seems like it would go against whatever because you know the whole thing is. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm trying to remember in the comics. Did we see Eric and more? Or was is just he was just in the Crow? Because then at the end, you know, he's with Shelley, and I don't know. But what I do know, <laughs> you know, it's coming right. That is going to be news for the week with comic books at Image Comics. So. I haven't I haven't looked into it. So you know I, I I tend to open up the previews page and see you know what what came out this week and I kind of use that as my reminder. Okay, what did I read? And I go through the list. Yeah, I read this. I read this and everything like that. And what I've noticed the last few weeks is that Image, it, it, it's been wrong. It's like wait the, they only have like four books here. I'm wondering because I, I'm kind of clueless sometimes and or out of the loop. I'm wondering if it's because didn't Image recently change their distribution? whatever system so they're not just releasing stuff through diamond so maybe that's why everything's not listed because when i'm looking it's like wait i've read some of the i've read several books that aren't on the previous list it's like i'm hoping i didn't accidentally read something early i mean because i do read stuff early sometimes you know i, I i'm lucky thank you image you know sometimes I, I get to read stuff early and i hope it's like i'm not talking about it early in so i i'm assuming that that's that's the deal all right. So what came out this week? There was a new Creepshow uh, volume two, which I'm like, wait, why? Why do we have another? It, it's weird that it's, it's volume two, number one, because there wasn't that many issues. I read it because uh, so like, the, I read. OK, here's here's the truth. I like Creepshow. I don't love Creepshow. I can, I can appreciate Creepshow for what's supposed to be, what it, what it intends to be. I read the first issue of the last series because Chris Burnham was involved, I believe. And I, you know, one, I think he's, he's, he's a hilarious person. I, I, I love talking to him. And two, he's, he's an amazing artist. I love his art so much. And so, yeah, I, I read that. And, um, and then Michael Walsh had posted has been posting some, like, Creepshow stuff. So I was like, oh... Is he drawing? Is he writing? I'm gonna read that. He's, he didn't do anything in the first issue, so it was fine. I think there's a Phil Hester story. I'm trying to remember who did the first uh, story in there. It was okay, and that's the thing with, with with these type of like anthology books or whatever horror books, where they may not be for everyone. I mean, you, you have to, you know, enjoy a, a good suspense story, horror story, or whatever. And, you know, looking at the big picture things, these are not going to be uh, you know, what difference does it make story? Because these are meant to be consumable stories. These are just short 16 page stories, 20 page, whatever, you know, the, the thing is, it's not going to be like some ongoing thing. So, you know that going into it. So then you need to make the choice. I mean, you can't just say because if I'm going to read like a Spider-Man story, you know, this chaos champions, whatever stuff. I'm not really digging that, and I know that is not going to make a huge difference, probably in the grand scheme of Spider-Man comics. So Spider-Man's appearance in there, even though I love Spider-Man, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I don't feel like I'm going to get lost or confused because it's not going to be something that's going to carry over. So when you're, you know, that that's different than if if there's going to be like some big crossovers, and you go, I got to read this, I got to read this, but with Something like Creepshow, you're just okay. Here's some characters. You're never going to read about those characters again. You know, ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, they're just meant for that story. They're probably no one's going to survive because it's just a horror thing. So this first Creepshow one, it it was it was fine. And I, the main thing for me, I'm 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 maybe a harsh critic when it comes to horror comics because I I feel like a lot of the times, as as amazing an artist may be, it it doesn't quite have that creepy feeling for me because you're reading you know and and sometimes you get some vibrant ish colors that kind of again takes away some of the vibe for me that's just my opinion so i don't know um so apparently i didn't read that much uh i didn't read all of uh, uh, image right because i never read all of everything but dark right i'm gonna I should probably try to remember to talk about these next week, and I know I've, I've said that before. And then I realize, oh wait, two weeks ago I never talked about this one. Dark Ride issue A came out. I, I've been enjoying that, uh, so I yeah I didn't read that. Um, Enfield Gang Massacre issue two. I like the first issue. I'm, I'm sometimes skeptical about like Western comics because I, you know I I, I don't know, I think there has to be really something there to win me over. You know, I'm I'm a little picky about, about that as well. But I, I did like the first issue, so I'm really curious. I, I really want to see what, what's going to happen here. Um, I hate, see, I didn't read, I hate Fairyland issue 9. So, you know, it's not that I have a, I, I enjoyed it, especially the main series. I, I like that. So I'm, I'm bummed I didn't read that. And then the Cole issue 2. So I did read that. <laughs> that was the first image book I read because it's, it's. I mean, it's Kelly Thompson. And, you know, I'll, anytime there's a Kelly Thompson book, I, I will... Praise her, her writing skills. I mean, it's it's just so good. And this is uh, this is a, an interesting book. And this what what I really like. You know, I love Kelly Thompson's Marvel writing. I I love Birds of Prey. You know, I love her writing and fleshing out and delving into these characters that I that I know and love, or that I'm going to learn to love because of what, what she's adding to them. So it's so cool seeing all, all you know as she writes these other characters. But with this. And like with Black Cloak, you know, you, you have these new characters, and these are all her. So there's there's something fun about that, just seeing because you you know she's got she's gonna be passionate about that because you know these are her babies that, that you know she's she's writing and crafting and you know whatever. But then also it's like that the, there's that aspect of like anything goes. You know, she owns you know rights fully to these, I mean, her and her an artist or whoever. And, you know, you're not restricted by whatever Marvel or DC may, you know, no, you can't do this because, you know, you can't kill this person off or, you know, so with with uh, the, the call, there's it's basically there is this like portal. And it, it's like leads to this other world. And it, and these group of kids, you know, they're like high school seniors, you know, they're, they're, they're going under the pretense of making a movie, but they're, you know, they really wanted to go investigate this area. One of the, the the, the kids, the younger brother, I think, disappeared, and they think that it happened. they might have the kid might have gone through there. And uh, so there's, like, just a lot of weird things going on. You know, it's a different world. There's, like, different kind of creatures and insects or whatever. So, um, and I, I think that the main thing that I just really love about this is, like, I have absolutely no idea where this is going to go, and, you know, that's what makes it... Fun and exciting because you know you never know. Yeah, you don't know like the one of the main characters might die in you know the next issue, or maybe they died in this issue and you know, no one's safe and, and you never know. So I, I think that's just a lot of fun. Over at Marvel we had alligator Loki. And I'm like, all right, I'll 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 check this out. I started I started more like skimming and I read like the first story and it was like weird because like the first story is like end of chapter one. And it was, I think it's still kind of continued. I read a couple and then I'm just like, no, I can't do anymore. I forgot how, how many pages in I got. I just, it wasn't for me and I, not everything has to be for me. This is an all ages book. So that being said, this could be good for younger readers too. So if you're looking for something for, you know, your little, Sibling, nephew, or niece, or whoever—something that you know you could look into. Um, Astonishing Iceman issue two came out. I probably should have flipped through this. I didn't. I wasn't super crazy about the first one, and it was just Iceman's attitude just felt different. And uh, you know, it's just I don't—I don't know how to explain it. And I, I think I know how to explain it, but I don't think that's necessarily the case and part of it i i look and I, I, yeah i mean you may know what i what i'm kind of getting at but i look at like i i think back to like when iceman was an x factor cuz I, I feel like that you know there was there's a lot of there's a lot of big moments for iceman cuz iceman was often neglected in, in the x men early x men you know he was he was the youngest member i think right and he was just you know they made fun of him he's like oh you makes ice powers snow powers you know because he looked like a snowman in the beginning so I feel like he was really kind of you know pushed aside, but in X Factor, you know, he really—that's when he, his power like really amped up, and you know, there's a whole Asgardian stuff and 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 everything, and then there's a stuff with like when uh, was it Emma no Mystique or Emma Frost? There's like I Anyways, there was just like a lot going on with him and you know his character, but now he's just really out there and just I I, I still think it's weird in the last issue when he's saving some people, you know, mutants are being targeted and he saves this dude. And then he just goes up and kisses him. And it just seems weird. Cause one, how do you know that a guy is going to be receptive to that? And two, if it was, if it was a, you know, so yeah, Iceman is gay, but I'm not saying that because it's the same thing. Like if it was a male hero or, or female, let's say it was a female hero saves a guy and then she kisses him. How do you know that the guy is into girls? He'd be like, ew, get away from me. And the same thing, if it was a guy who kisses a girl, how do you know the girl's not into girls and not guys? But, the, but aside from all that, regardless of who's kissing who, you, you shouldn't be going around kissing anybody because isn't that assault? You, there are boundaries, you know, consent. And, and just the fact that Iceman's never done that—he's never—I don't—I can't recall him ever saving someone and then smooching him. But then there's a the whole other aspect, and, and part of it—I'm—I'm I'm just really bummed with how the X-Men comics are, are being now. You know, I, I was getting a little kind of burnt out during you know all the the Krakoa stuff, and now that all that Krakoa stuff is like is burnt to the ground, and this Orca stuff—I don't know. We'll see. Um, Avengers Inc. This I I like this book. Is Al Ewing uh, did the the writing here, and Leonard Kirk did the art. Basically, there's like a murder at a uh, Riker, no, the raft, and um, Janet Van Dyne is 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 brought in, and um, because it was like one of her, one of her. Um, enemies kind of like stalker enemies or you know she was targeted and basically what it it comes around to is she kind of like leads this investigation and you know because things are kind of sketchy in new york you know there's this whole like anti-vigilante anti-power law and stuff like that but it was just it it was really good and i i feel like janet wasp is kind of um, underrated as well. You know, she's she's like the original one of the original Avengers. She, you know, supposedly came up with a name and you know they they mention in here. And I feel like, you know, where has she been lately? You know, we've seen her every now and then. So I I really like what they did here. And then there's an interesting twist that happens where something and I don't want to give too much away, but you know something happens to the, the there's more than one victim at at the rap. But then something happens and it's like, wait, that kind of looks like Wait, huh, huh? And you know what exactly does that mean? I I don't know. So I'm I'm really really curious where, where that's going to go. Uh there's another third issue of Captain Marvel Dark Tempest. I'm not reading that. Let me know if you're reading that cuz um yeah, I, I I don't know. Children of the Vault issue 2. I do not like the Children of the Vault. I I can't stand these characters. So these are characters, you know, there they were I don't even remember they're not mutants but they're like this other species and then they were in this vault you know they they're kept locked up and time passed differently so they're in there for like thousands of years or hundreds of years and not thousands of years but i think there's a couple hundred years so they they've able to use that time since time passed differently or whatever and they can develop their power so they're, they're like more evolved and blah 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 stuff like that that with the fall of the x-men The vault was like unlocked, and they came out, and they realized, "Oh, there's no more mutants." And then they're starting to act like heroes, but you know they're not necessarily the most trustworthy people. Uh, But then, what's an interesting choice? We have Bishop and Cable are trying to deal with them, and they hate each other, which it's always weird. It's like, where did this? animosity, this this dark history between them come from. Because yeah, they're both from the future but they're from different futures and when Bishop first came around, I don't remember there being any mention or connection or tying with, with, you know, Cable and then things slowly started that's just how it goes, I guess. So it's an okay series but I'm just not like super crazy about the Children of the Vault. Then there's Daredevil number one, New Daredevil so this is by Saladin Ahmed and Aaron Cooter. Um, it was good, and and I I, I I know that that sounded weird that um was 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 a little weird. It picks up where Chip Zdarsky's leaves off, and um, I, I think my, again my hesitation here is because I don't want to spoil things, and depending depending where you're at with uh, if you if you finish Zdarsky's run or not, but. You know, Matt Murdock basically sacrificed himself. So it's like, wait, then who's that on the cover? Because you know, we still have Elektra as Daredevil. And I have to say, I I love Aaron Cooter's art. I, I, there's just something, you know, he's it's it's that it's that kind of like superhero-y, gritty, bold, detailed, I don't know how to describe it. It's just those those words, throw them all together. I just really dig it. I didn't love, like, the first shot of Elektra. There, there's something that just seemed, I don't know, something to me seemed off but then other you know uh, there's some interesting things that happen later which I, I don't want to spoil but uh, other I mean the art is great and the colors you know it's just this is you know r- really good good stuff and um, Jesus Aber- Abertov does does the colors um, one thing one minor thing that just really bothered me because I, I'm a nitpicker I guess at times is there, there there's mentioned See now I don't know if this is a spoiler. Where like a certain character is like like hasn't had any interaction with the lecture before. But it's like um they just did in like the last issue of Trip Zadarsky's book. So like you're saying that it's like they've never uh, I don't know. But um yeah, I, I I don't know how I don't know what's out, out there and I, I should look in I should look in previews, but previews are never accurate. I just it's an interesting direction. I didn't like really. I didn't really like the direction. Like what what happened at the end of of, of Zadarsky's run, and then what's how this one really maintain and and it's it is keeping certain aspects, but the way some things are handled, and it's kind of like wait, well, why are we doing this? And I don't know. So I, it's definitely a wait and see. Like where is this going? Because. Uh, you know, it's just, it seems weird that, like, you know, Matt Murdock is dead. You know, he's not there, and I don't know. Death at a verse number four. <laughs> Who's reading this? Uh, I, I'm, I'm so curious, but I can't do it. There's a Ghost Rider I'm not reading. Credible Hulk issue four. I'm not, because I'm so picky with my Hulk stuff, I'm not super-duper crazy about this. And, you know, we got, like, Hulk on the run type of thing and I, I guess you know part of it is like I don't want that. I don't want Hulk to be wandering around. I don't want Banner to be sad and have nothing. And and then there's this girl who's you know came from an abusive house. And I just realized I don't know if this is picking up. I I, I have a tendency to start clicking a, a pen because it's right in front of me. So I apologize. Deserted uh, this girl abusive home. She you know came across the Hulk and she wants to kind of hang out with the Hulk, and, and Banner's like, dude, you're crazy, you're going to get hurt, it's dangerous. And, and Hulk doesn't want anything to do with her, too, but then he's a little reluctant or whatever. And uh, and then there's just group of people who are like, after the Hulk or whatever, and and you can see Man-Things. On a... I, I'm not the biggest Man-Thing fan. I don't know. I, I feel like I should have respect for Man-Thing, you know, from... <laughs> <laughs> I almost said because of his roots, uh, that would have been uh, too cheesy, and I did, would not make that pun. And and I, even if I said no pun intended, it would sound like I did intend it. But I'm, I'm just not a huge uh, Man-Thing fan, and um, we'll see where this goes. Uh, yeah, so that's all I'll say about that. You should check it out. Miles Morales' Spider-Man. I... wasn't really crazy about this issue. So, you know, we have Miles Morales trying to do his thing, and then, um, I'm I'm just, I'm not really digging this whole anti-vigilante thing or whatever. So, you know, there's this one agent who's been kind of turning a blind eye to him sometimes. She's not super happy with him, and she's let it known, but then, you know, he kind of got, she cut him a break or whatever. So, he, um, at, at one point, he, Miles goes to Misty, because you know he's been hanging out with Misty Knight a little, and he he talks to Doc Samson, Wendigo Samson, whatever you want to call him now, to to get some advice. So that that's kind of cool, you know. The whole thing, it, even though I don't do it, maybe I should. But the whole idea of like therapy, you know, that that that's a good thing. You know, if, if you need it, you should be using it. And I, I like the fact that they're like showcasing it. That it's not a bad thing. And then um, then he's getting tailed by. This uh Hightail. I I'd see that. I did not mean to say that either. I just I totally forgot the character's name, and I just flipped to the page. And Sandra Santos, A.K.A. Hightail, she's following him. She's working in the, with that agent, Agent Gao. Is that her name? And I just didn't really care for. I don't. One. Well, I don't care for her, the character. And then their interaction is just blah. Speaking of blah. Red Goblin number 8. I was so tempted to read this because Crossbones is on the cover and I hate Crossbones but I I can appreciate him as you know just a scummy bad guy and you know cap Captain America enemy but yeah I'm not I can't read that. Spine Tingling Spider-Man. I was going to read this but I'm not really sure if it's my cup of tea so I didn't. Uh, I'm not reading Obi-Wan Darth Vader I was like flipping through this I'm I'm just I'm not digging this whole droid dark droid thing I I thought I was I mean I was excited in the beginning but now I'm just like okay like oh, how where is this going Venom 25 this is like, <laughs> I don't want to read Venom I'm only reading Venom because the, the whole Black Widow becoming Venom bizarre what mm-hmm. And I said, I'm so curious, like, why, why, how, how is this happening? So I'm, I'm reading and I forget what issue, is it issue 27? Uh, maybe not, but we have Venom and Dr. Doom. And I'm like, okay, there's that. And so I'm like reading this and my gosh, just because it's a 25th issue, it's like supersized and just felt like it kept going forever. Um, not my favorite, but that's just me. Um, then there is Venom Contest of Chaos. I did not read that. It's, it looks like based on the cover, Venom and Deadpool. I should read it. Like who's who's going to survive? And th- those things are, are so hard hard to to say because you would think, okay, if if, if I was going to make a prediction, I would say probably Venom is going to survive because something's going to end up happening, and Deadpool's probably going to get ripped in half, and and he'll lose by that. He'll be in pieces. He'll survive, but he's he's going to lose the battle. Or you could look at it as well Deadpool often is you know he's unpredictable and he will do whatever and he'll like blow someone up if he has to so now I'm really curious who, who won but actually I know I was gonna say well maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look at I'm not gonna look at it um there was a werewolf by night issue I did not mean to read this I I didn't and um yeah it's but it's just Elsa Bloodstone's on there, and it's like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, it's Werewolf by Night, but we have Elsa Bloodstone. It's like that's a coincidence. They're both in this a show, and and that. Um, I just realized I never read X Force. I was like, kind of saving X. I was like, okay, I'll I'll read that last, and it ended up I forgot to read it. Um, and then there's X Men Red, which I just I don't really read that one because I'm I'm not like super crazy about it. So um, sorry. Uh, at DC Batman and Robin number one. So this is Joshua Williamson and it looks like Simone de Mio. I'm trying to look at this. It was it was um, interesting. It was a little weird. And this is definitely following the, the Batman Catwoman chaos, whatever, you know, this fight that they're having. And because of that, you know, so Batman and the the Bat family are kind of like at odds. So, you know, Catwoman, in case you haven't listened the last couple of weeks or whatever, when I've been talking about it, Catwoman decided, you know, well, Batman was like in a coma or something like that, sleeping after that uh, night terrors <laughs> crossover. And Catwoman decided, she's like, I- I'm going to take like all the, the I'm I'm going to give the, the villains, the hench people, a trade. I'm going to teach them to be cat burglars and steal from the rich, who their valuables aren't insured. So you know it's not like rubbing ro- rubbing it's not like robbing someone walking down the street is robbing someone in this you know big luxury mansion or penthouse and that they're like not even going to notice that you stole something or they can just whatever batman's like no no Be- and because again s- someone who was committing crime ends up getting killed because they surprised a person so damien moves in at the brownstone with batman and one thing that was just really weird, they like fist bump each other or something. like that. I'm pretty sure. Am I, am I just totally having a weird memory? I, I could have swore that they like fist bumped each other. And, and Batman was like almost smiling. and like, what? And then the other thing that just really threw me off, because I feel like I missed something. And I think it happened in, in, in Chip Zdarsky's Batman. I think it was when he was in that other world. Something happened to his hand. And you know he's been really secretive about it. Like when Mister Terrific was asking, you know, he said something, and he's you know he's got this glove. I don't know if he like lost his hand, he's got a fake hand or it's, like something. Because then when Damian saw, he's like, I want one of those or something like that. But then there's a scene here where you know it's about breakfast and Bat and Bruce. He's got you see he's got normal hands. Did the did he get a like a paint job on the hand or some like prosthetic over it? The skinning skin I don't know, but. Yeah, other than that, uh, we'll we'll see where this is going to go. And, you know, part of me, I also look at this, it's like, do we really need a Batman, new Batman and Robin series? I would be like, I'm not digging, like, detective comics. Why not put, you know, Joshua Williamson on detective comics or something, you know, bring, I don't know. And and no offense to anyone working on detective comics, but I'm just, I haven't been enjoying that that story arc. Green Lantern issue three. uh this is uh, this has been kind of weird you know trying to figure out where this is going to go and part of it because i i don't always like change but the whole idea of the green lantern corps being gone or being under the control of the united planets of united nations of planets and then Hal returning to earth and then there's you know not having a ring but then he has a ring you know he found a ring or made a ring and then you know all this stuff going on and then we got sinestro it's like okay what is sinestro up to because you know he's he's usually a villain is he being a villain? And you know he's doing some questionable things. And then there's like the John Stewart stuff, which it was just that was just kind of like all over the place. That was a little hard for me to to, to get into. Uh, Waller versus Wildstorm issue three. This has been interesting for me, and you know because it, it we have Amanda Waller and we have you know a couple you know, there's like Deathstroke in here, Lois Lane, you know, you had some DC characters and then we have a lot of Wildstorm characters, which, you know, I'm not like a Wildstorm expert because, you know, I was there from the beginning, like when Wildcats came out, but like, like Alan Moore, wasn't Alan Moore Wildcats? Did Alan Moore write Wildcats? Who wrote Wildcats? Someone else wrote Wildcats. Uh, Joe Casey wrote Wildcats, right? Am I just making stuff up out of, you know, top of my head or bottom of my butt, whatever? But like you know, some so some of this other stuff I didn't read, so I don't even know. Like there's there, you know, there's still a couple characters I'm not really familiar with, and seeing some of these characters in this, it's like okay, I don't really know who this, even though this is kind of like an alternate earth, different characters, different versions, you know. And I don't know know who the regular characters, you know, what they're like. So, but it's I'm a little fascinated with this and how how it's all playing out. And the thing is. It's like, I really can't stand Amanda Waller. And we're not supposed to like her because, you know, she's always, you know, evil or manipulative or something, scheming. So it's just really kind of fascinating to see how all this, this lays out. Superman Lost, number six. I haven't been super crazy about this, so I don't know how, how this one, and, you know, maybe it's just I need to give another shot or something, but I don't know. World's Finest Teen Titans. Um, issue, what issue was was this? I can't read that. Um, this, this is, this is a fun series and, and I, I really dig the classic Teen Titans characters and, and it's, it's not, you know, Mark Wade's writing this and it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun seeing this, this younger version of the characters. You know, we've had so many different like eras of Teen Titans and, but just having, you know, Robin and Donna Troy and Roy Harper and, you know, it's just such, such a good, good group of characters. Then there's Danger Street issue nine. <laughs> um, Tom King, you know he's he's a he's a great writer. I I and I do not love everything that he writes, but he's a great writer. I mean, I you know my not liking everything doesn't mean that he's not a good writer. Obviously, <laughs> with this, I think part of the thing is, and because I've never read any interviews or any like I don't even know what he said about this. You know, I I kind of I'm I'm so intrigued by this because. I have like no idea what he's what his his goal is, you know, because he's got some obs- he's got a lot of obscure characters, which is is great, you know. It, it, instead of like let's do another Superman book, another whatever, you know, it's someone that we've seen so many times. So we're getting all these characters, just like wait, who is this? And I just I don't know where this is going. And I I think part of it also, I was like. Is this, is, is this a Black Label book? I think it is. But I was like, is this just a, like a four-issue thing? And then it's like, we're in issue nine. I'm like, is this ever going to end? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm just because I'm so curious, like where, where are these characters going to go? And when you know this kid gets killed, I'm like, what? Are you serious? And, and this issue is really about these two uh, like assassins or whatever you want to call them. You know, I won't get into details. But it was, there was a lot of, of, of conversation between the characters and I think you have to play that, you have to be really careful with that because having this, this long, you know, having all these quote unquote words, I mean, I don't know why I'm saying quote unquote, but having all these words is like, you know, you're showing off your writing ability, not really showing off, but you know, there's, there's a lot to be said. Writing dialogue, I couldn't imagine doing that. you know, trying to write dialogue for characters and make it sound real and not like lame or just fake or whatever. So you know, we that there's so much just in, really interesting conversation between these characters, the way they're approaching and handling everything. But it just it, like keeps going, and you know, for me, it always sounds silly when I when I mention it. Like sometimes, it's like oh my gosh, there's so much to read. And at least it, it feels like more so when it's like the text boxes, when there's just like a page. It's like this. I'm reading a novel here in the middle of the comic, and it's not that I don't know how to read or don't want to. But it's like I'm trying to read. You know. 20 comics or 30 comics. And it's like... And this is... Like, I'm reading a book now. And... what this was... Uh, this was really... <laughs> it was a little unexpected. And um, I, I don't know where this is going. Batman Incorporated, issue 12. I can't remember the last time I read this. And I feel bad. I do feel bad that I'm not reading this. Because I like Ed Brisson. And according to Comixology, John Timms... Is is he doing the art? I don't even know who's who's on this book. And I just... I, I just I came to the decision. It's like I don't really care for Ghostmaker that much, and you know he's he's kind of got this attitude, you know, this arrogance. And I know that that's his character. That's who he is. And I don't care how much Batman may respect him or, or whatever. I just I don't want to feel like reading about him because I just I don't enjoy who he is. I could be wrong, and I'm playing with the Pentagon. Um But yeah, I, I just. I don't know. And, I, and I, I feel like I should, you know, give it another shot. But, yeah. And um, I think that's all I read from DC. i trying to think if there's other stuff that came out. But, yeah, that, that's it. So that is going to be it for comics this week. All right. With Harley Quinn, Season 4, Episode 9, Potato-Based Cloning Incident. So this was an okay. This was a good episode. This was a fine episode, and uh, you know we're we're getting some more closure. We're getting some answers. We're finally you know some some of the loose ends, some of the you know stuff that's been developing has been is is coming out. So it, it's good, and uh, it, it's it's kind of it's interesting where it leaves off because you know you you can feel for the most part these episodes have been like separate, been singular. You know there's like overarching. Uh, like storylines you know threads that, that continue throughout the season but this one really feels like it's it's you know carrying on everything and even though like the main parts end it, it's still you know going they're still in the apocalypse you know it's still in, in monochrome and everything you know it starts off with ivy going on about lex creating the apocalypse you know to, to, to the the saved with this whatever you know phony save the ozone layer plan and uh, things are still in monochrome. You know, everything's still, like I said. Everything's still like black and white. And you know, Harley you just know, tries to tell her to calm down because you know if they learned every anything from their future warlord traitor daughter is that they're better together, and you know, so they can do this. And Ivy's like, "Yeah, it's easy. You know, stop toxic masculinity and bring back the sun." So then they hug, and then Harley asks if if someone. She's like, she, you know, she's looking there at that Catwoman's in an apartment. She looks at the coffee table. She's like did somebody stack our coffee table books by weight and theme? You know, cause they're like perfectly stacked or whatever. And then someone walks down the stairs, it's Harley. And she waves to them. And, and Harley's like, she's like, okay, I was actually feeling good yet. My stress hallucinations are back. And Ivy's like, uh, who is that? So Harley's like, Oh, you see her too? Oh yes. Thank God. I'm not crazy, but I am very scared. So then the other one, Harley, Harley walking down, she's like, hi, Harley Quinn, truly a pleasure. And Harley tries like leaping at her, but the Har- so obviously it's a clone, you know, from the title and from what you know we've seen before. So the Harley clone just like steps aside. Then she's like, okay, got some crimes to stop. Bye. And she like smashes through the window. And then regular Harley, she's like, Hey, where the fudge do you think you're going? And, and then Ivy's like, I'm sorry, did somebody just like clone you? So Harley's like, listen, babe, just go ahead and start, you know, on the, the fixing the world thing and let's re- regroup later. So we see chaos in the street continues. The Harley clone jumps down on this guy who he was drinking a bottle and he threw the bottle in the trash instead of recycling. And, you know, she gets on his case about it. And and he's like, you know, knocked down on the ground. He picks, you know, takes a bottle out, puts it back and he runs. Regular Harley jumps at her, calling her a poser. And she's like, which of my many powerful enemies or psychotic admirers made you? And the, the clone's like, I'll explain. So we see in the Legion of Doom kitchen, Ivy's making coffee. And she's like, God, Harley sheds like a golden retriever. So she, there's a hair like on her shoulder, she like flicks it off and it lands on a potato that's on a plate on the counter. Then later, Jim Gordon comes, you know, sticks a potato in what he thinks is a microwave. And then, you know, he takes it out, he's like, my God, it's still cold and there's a hair on it, yuck. So he throws it in a trash and then he's like looking in the fridge and we see like a shadow form run behind him. I don't remember, I don't know if we saw that before. was, maybe we saw that. And uh, then the machine beeps and there's potato inside. So then in the present, Harley's like, you expect me to believe a sad man accidentally made you in a microwave slash cloning machine? And the clone's like, yeah, I'm 5% potato and 95% you. She's like, oh, gosh, I should have sent you an email before you saw me so you could process this. Then she, like, this is kind of gross. She, like, wipes you know, something off her shoulder, and she jams it into Harley's mouth. And Harley's like, melted butter, it all tracks. So it's like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> And anyways, uh, Ivy enters Lex's office and he's on a like sun tanning bed. And she's like, so you thickened ozone just a week in Superman. And he's like, can we schedule a lunch? You're interrupting my UV light treatment. You see, for plants, the sun is food. It's called photosynthesis. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, and now what? You're destroying life on Earth to like punch him? Even if I did what you're accusing me of, which I didn't. Everyone who, who matters can relocate to my moon for a fee. Ivy like unleashes vines to, you know, to grabs Lex and they're like thorns and grabs around his, you know, his arms and his neck and everything like that. But then they wither down and he like giggles. He's like, please don't make me laugh. My butthole is way too relaxed. He's like, I was going to protect you, but you overstepped. I'm the boss, baby. And don't, don't misquote me on that. I said, boss, comma, baby. And she's like, I will stop you. He's like, I'm the most powerful businessman in the universe. I'm keeping the ozone thick. And Superman, you, and whoever else needs a sun, everyone needs a sun. He's like weak forever. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's time for my chlorophyll infusion. And he presses his like the left nipple, which kind of like lights up. And she's like, "Huh?" He's like, "Chlorophyll is what absorbs light." She's like, "I understand photosynthesis, you poop prick." <laughs> so, and there's more lo- looting and destruction in the streets. Harley and Harley clone. They are walking, talking, eating ice cream. And the clone's like, I didn't want Batgirl to miss you while you're gone. You know, so I stepped in and we've been so busy bringing hella criminals to justice, finding lost dogs, and then finding them homes with more responsible pet owners. Me and Batgirl did a CPR training class. Oh, Flash came too. He is hilarious. So we see a flashback. No pun intended. (laughs) Really, seriously. So we see like Flash dancing around and spinning with like a CPR dummy and everything and then harley's like regular harley's like i guess he had to be there and the clone's like i'm telling you flash has jokes i mean and then Harley clone gets bumped by a guy carrying like a keg. And then one of her, her scoops falls off her, her ice cream cone. She growls, she hands her cone to Harley, to regular Harley. She's like, oh, just a minute. And then she attacks the guy and he goes like face first into a pole and she like cuffs him. So he's like actually stuck on the pole cause his arms are on both sides. And then she continues talking and she says that they'll get on the same page after spending some time together. And she's like, think about it. all the good we can do now, double the justice, double the fun. And then regular Harley says that, you know, she's going to teach her everything she knows. Then she gets a text from Ivy. Peanut, I need your help. Work poop. And so Harley's like, first hero lesson, saving Ivy's adorable green apple bottoms. So Harley and Ivy, they're like shimmying shimmying down a building. And Harley's like, are we going to kidnap Lex and force him to turn the sun back on? Ivy's like, honey, I'm just, I'm too weak. He must have a switch that just turns off the laser. We just have to get inside. And then Harley clone comes down. And she's like, oh, you look so hot when you repel and Ivy's like sorry remind me why she's here again and Harley's like well you sent the natural disasters her uh, mentees you sent the natural disasters into hiding so we need the extra support plus we're on a roll and then they they like kind of jump back off the window and they like high five each other and Ivy's like good god you guys have so much energy it's it's very annoying so then they reach the boardroom level and Ivy's like, oh, you know, we can access his, his office through here. So Harley Clone makes a comment on how tacky Lex is or whatever, and Ivy's like, it's like, yeah, she's you're she's like, she's really starting to sound like Harley and it's freaking me out. So then Harley Clone says that she can smash like Harley too. So she you know, takes out her bat. She's hitting a window, but like nothing's happening. She keeps like hitting it. Then regular Harley takes her out, like hitting it too. Then then they notice they're cause they're like, What, what is this made out of? You know, the glass? But then they notice three goons above are like cutting their ropes with a knife. They start falling. They hit like a slant roof part, whatever, roll off off of it. Start falling some more. Crash through some tree branches and then land in the bushes. And they, I, I don't know if they like land on each other or whatever. Ivy's, she's like, I don't have my plant power. She's like, I can't defeat Lex. This is, this is humiliating. So Harley's like, don't you have a seat on, on the Lux Corps board? Vote him out. Use your business powers and go all Logan on Lex's Kendall ass. Exactly. Like, I wasn't sure what that meant. And then Ivy's like, oh, my God, you're a genius, Peanut. Smooch starts kissing her. And, oh, okay, because this is what it was. They were talking about Succession, I guess, which that's why I didn't know about it. And Ivy's like, I thought you didn't watch Succession because you hate satire. But then it turns out she was kissing the clone. And the clone's like, she thought I was you. And the regular tells Ivy to go win over some board members or whatever. So she goes off. It's, so she, then she's talking to people. She's like, okay, now 70% of the budget is going to his ozone machine. After overhead, there's only 1% left for other projects. Now, I know how important men's reproductive rights are for you. And the dude's like, hmm. Then she's talking to Riddler and Clock King. She's like, if you can't get a tan, how will people even know that you honeymooned in Tulum? And then she goes to a hairdresser. She's talking to some lady about something, whatever. And then... It, she's talking, like, And it's kind of cutting where she's talking to everyone. So she's saying the same thing. She's like, it is time to remove Lex CEO of LexCorp. Can I count on your vote? And they all not. At the Legion of Doom, she says she still needs one more vote. And then she asks Talia, she-e-o to she-e-o. She's like, what would you do? And Talia tells her to step up, which she uses some different wording. So she says that she has to step. She's like, everything you need is at your fingertips. And she gives her, like, you know, Lazarus Regenerative Cream, Electrolytes, and Clegg. And then she's like, Clegg? And she's like, oh, that's a person. I thought it was like a dumb brand na- name, you know, because it says something to avoid, like, uh, copyright infringement or something like that, which is like talking about the show, how the shows sometimes do that. And Talia's like, oh, he's real. The re- recluse makes his annual public appearance at the Gotham Celebrity Golf Pro-Am. His vote would secure a majority for you. And Ivy's like, goth goes against everything I stand for. But, you know, she's ready to go after them. And, you know, so Talia says like the first, you know, first she has to take and spend an hour in a tanning bed because she's you know, she's looking so like haunting and gaunt or whatever like that. At Catwoman's one of the Harley's comments that, you know, Oh, she's like, we just stopped the human trafficking ring. We said time to get our nails done. The regular says that, you know, she's, Pretty good at the you know by the hero stuff. You know maybe she can take the Batfam reins for a while. And she's like, anything I can do to help. And Regler's like, you should get on the Nightwing murder thing. And she's like, oh, Batgirl's you know still so upset over it, and I'm just out of ideas. And the clone's like, oh right, I know who killed him. And then Regler's like, why are you just mentioning this now? Because you know she at first she's like in here, she's like what? And she's like, who's the fudging murderer? And the clone's like, oh, it's you, girlfriend. And she pulled on her nose. And she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, I don't believe you. She's like, you did it while you were sleepwalking. I was there. You made Nightwing put on your friendship bracelet. Then you killed him. And before that, you partied with the cold villains at <laughs> and ate three slices of quiche and turned your underwear inside out because you forgot to bring a second pair. And I don't understand it. Because then Harley's like, all that could have been in a police report? Like, what police report? I don't understand what that meant. But then uh, the clone's like, um, she's like there, there. She's like I understand. This is a lot. She's like I'll give you some time. And then regular Harley just like shoves her like and runs out. So at the golf thing, Tawny's reporting, and Ivy's like dressed in golf clothes, has her hair like pulled back and a little hat and stuff like that, like the sweater. She goes up to Clegg and introduces herself. Then Lex kind of like bumps her out of the way to talk to Clegg, and Clegg says that you know to Ivy's like oh it's nice to see a lady take to the green because his wife doesn't get it and goes on about how it's a waste of water. And Ivy just kind of like flips her hair and says like, oh, you know, maybe you can teach this lady a thing or two about golf. Kind of like trying to like flirt with him. Then, you know, the guy walks off a little bit and then Lex like tells her to back off. He's like, he's like, I know all about your hapless coup. And he's, he's like, I know you need Clegg's vote to win and you're not going to get it. So then Clegg asks Ivy. He's like, "Oh, what's your handicap?" And she's like, "Gosh, uh, social anxiety, I guess." And then she's like, "Oh, you, you, you meant in golf?" And she's like, "Uh, she's like, I don't know. I, I guess you're just gonna have to teach me." And she like shoves Lex out of the way. But he's like, "Clegg, my dude, mind if I join?" And then as they walk, like Lex and, and Ivy, Ivy, there's like, like slapping each other, shoving each other. Meanwhile, you know, Harley's like. This is the last place in the world I want to be in, but I'm ready to make good of my promise. It's like, I'll do the pod. So she went to Dr. Psychos. And he's like, a full three-hour live stream, uncut, raw, no topic off-limit. And she's like, yeah, but first I need a favor. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I did that favor. You're just paying what you owe for that trip into Bruce Wayne's mind, remember? So it was last season. And she's like, I'll wear latex. And he's like, mm, okay, my little psychos might be into that. And she's like, I need you to use your annoyingly specific brain diving powers to help me recover a very important and very intimate memory. He's like, oh, yummy. So he holds her hand and he clenches his butt and then they go in. They land in the snow in the woods. He's like, camping. He's like, ah, poop. He's like, you tricked me. He's like, there better be a snow orgy in here or I'm out. So she pulls him behind a tree and we can see Harley with like kind of glassy eyes, sitting by the fire, and she has like a plate with a piece of quiche under. Nightwing jumps down in front of her, and she's like, ha, "Nightwing, haha. it's like, beat you. I rescued Batgirl. It's like, here, I made you another friendship bracelet to put on." And he's like, "Oh, cut the crap, Harley." And he like slaps you know the bracelet out of her hands. He's like, "You kidnapped Babs. It's like, you may have fooled some more gullible heroes, but I always knew you were plotting to take us down." And she's like, Oh, need help putting on your friendship bracelet? And he like scoffs. He's like, More like a lies and deceit bracelet. You're not a hero. You're a vapid carb obsessed killer. You'll always be a villain. And she's like, I'm a good guy. And then she jumps on his back and starts choking him with the the bracelet like around his neck. <laughs> and she's like, I'm a good guy. And she keeps like repeating, I'm a good guy. And then, you know, Nightwing like drops his, you know, scrimma sticks. And, and he's for some reason he has like blood coming out of his nose and his mouth. And then the other Harley comes like around the corner, uh, like with quiche and she, she sees what's happening. She drops a quiche and she goes back inside. So at this point, it's like, wait, this is this really happening? Is this real Harley doing this? Because I, I was wondering, was like, did the clone kill Nightwing or was it real Harley? So Nightwing and then he falls on his face. And then she puts a bracelet on on him. And she's like, Oh look, it looks so cute on you. From behind a tree, psycho starts laughing, and Harley's like, I killed Nightwing. And Psycho's like, and you didn't know. It's like, my God, this is some hella repressed poop. And she's like, get me out of here. So then in, in his studio, she's like, oh, my God, Nightwing was right. I'm a villain at my core. And Psycho's like, oh, breaking the executive scoop. That hero Harley Quinn killed Gotham's hottest hiney is going to beat my Joker getting owned by a Batgirl episode. Then she slams him in the head with the soundboard and he's like out. It's <laughs> like, holy crap. But at first I was like, did she kill him? Is he out? Ivy's, you know, is going golfing with instructions from Clegg. You know, he's like, you know, do this, swing your hips and blah, blah, you know, all that. And then she gets a hole in one and he cheers. He's like, I'm a kingmaker. Lex goes up to her and she's like, looks like someone just won Clegg's vote. And that someone is me. And he's like, you super. And she's like, I think you meant you super. She's about to hit another ball for some reason, and she's like, hey, Lex, I think I smell an in-your-fudging face coming. She hits the ball. Of course, where does the, what, what happens? The ball hits Clegg right in the eye. His, like, eyes, you know, it's, it's gone, and he just like falls over. He's dead. And then she's like, well, that's a real kick in a cooter. Harley, at, then at that moment, calls her and says she's figured out who killed Nightwing. She's like, it was me, case closed. And Ivy's like, whoa, are you okay? And she's like, hmm, as an investigator, it's nice to finally know who who done it, but as a good guy, it's pretty fudging bad. And Ivy's like, ugh, it's like, yikes. But uh, crazy coinkydink, I just accidentally killed Clegg, the linchpin to my dramatic boardroom takeover plan. And Harley's like, oh, we are such twin flames. She picks up, like, Psycho, his, like, un, un, I'm assuming he's unconscious. She picks up his unconscious body, puts him in a corner, and moves, like, a potted plant in front of him. It's, like, not really hiding or whatever. And then she's like, okay, I just got to figure out how to keep Psycho quiet. And I was like, oh, I'm totally down to kill Psycho, honey, because I'm on a roll. And Harley's like, ha! She's like, jokes. Wait, that gives me an idea. And keep you posted. Bye. And she hangs up. So she calls someone, and she's like, how long would it take you to get to Psycho's recording studio? Then right away, there's a knock on a door, flashes there. He's like, what up? What up, pigtails? And she's like, I want to prank my former associate, Dr. Psycho. He's like, of course, you know, I immediately thought of you, you know, since you're the lord of hijinks. He's like, you know, you never respond to my gifts. So I was worried that you didn't think I was funny. I need to work on my self-confidence. And she mutters, she's like, that's a very male take. And he's like, "So what are we doing? Prank call, rubber snake, generic brand plastic wrap on the toilet seat." <laughs> so see, there's the the one, the whole not mentioning you know Saran wrap because it's a name brand, copyright, whatever. And then Harley's like, "Or what if you turn back time five minutes? Psycho hates doing ads. And if we go back five minutes, he'll have to do them all over again." Flash starts laughing. He's like, "I'm in." <laughs> And he's like wearing this backpack thing. It almost looks like it's like, is he delivering pizzas? Like, what's he doing? Turns out the backpack is like a folded up cosmic treadmill. So she hops on his back. He starts running. So then it's back. We see Ivy talking about winning someone's vote, whatever. And she's like, you know, he's like, you She's Like, oh, I think you meant you, so, you super. And then she's like, oh, I think about to smell it in your face, whatever. You know, she swings again. But this time it's different. So I, I was like, is Harley going to call Ivy and tell her not to hit the second, you know, not to kill whatever, but she doesn't really know the details. But this time the golf club, for some reason slips out of her hands, goes up Clegg's butt and out his mouth. And he's, he's obviously dead. And Ivy's like, wow, two holes in one. And then Lex kind of chuckles. He probably chuckles more because Ivy screwed up. Harley and flash are in front of, of psycho. And, he's you know he's sitting at, at the control at his whatever thing his his control panel he's like oh god you invited diversion it's like you selling candy for your red league son and flash starts cracking up and he's like ah you're right this is hilarious harley she's like okay you know it's time to go but he wants to you know hang and bask in, in these righteous friendship lols then she kicks him in the crotch and she tells him to, you know, just to get out of there so he's like right and the kid flashes so then she shuts the door psycho asks if she's ready to um to to see that salacious memory then she's like oh yeah you know i just remembered a thing i forgot and it was no biggie so peace out and she leaves so outside harley clone asks if she believes her now and harley's like yeah she's like i guess you know i'm just so messed up i I don't even know what i was doing but what she really wants is to make this right so then the clone's like that's what doubles are for i'm here to help then she puts back cuffs on harley and Harley's like, TF, what are you doing? And she's like, making this right, like you said. Not a bad fam gets a Harley Day deserve, and you won't keep 86ing your coworkers. And Harley's like, coworker, singular. At the golf tournament, Tawny reports um, on Ivy killing Clegg. Bane falls to his knees, like, exclaiming. He's like, we hardly do here. And then he gets a text from Clayface that he's watching. He's like, and it says something. You better throw your whole bussy into it. Bussy? I don't even know what that means. Then um, there's like a motorcane of him like headbutting Ivy. So he's like, "Ah." Tawny goes up to Ivy to get a comment, and Ivy's like, "Um, yeah, you see low visibility because Lex blocked out the fudging sun." And then Bane headbutts her, and she like curses off camera because you know, she's lying on the ground. "Forgive me, I was repaying a debt." And then Tawny says that whoever said golf was boring, ha. Lex goes up to Ivy, she's still on the ground, and he's he's like jealous. He's like, I wish I thought to kill Clegg. Now the board will be locked into a tie, securing my position. And Ivy's just not, not happy, like her eye like twitches. Harley clone nudges Harley into like the Batmobile. It opens up, like the pop opens. The pop the top pops. <laughs> the top opens. There's a man and a woman tied up in there and Harley's like who tf are these and the clones are like criminals you know like her and you know I forgot what the dude did but the the lady there there's a lady she's a nun and she said that she was torrenting keeping up with the Kardashians because she didn't want to add to their empire and the Harley clones like first is piracy then a few clicks later it's murder and then to Harley she's like you know this better than anyone Harley's like, listen, I never punished anyone for this jaywalking level crap. I started heroing because I wanted to help people. And Clone's like, there is no redemption only justice kick <laughs> she actually says kick and like kicks her they start fighting harley uses a bobby pin because they mentioned like always having a bobby pin in her hair or whatever to get out of things so she uses a bobby pin to pick the the lock and the cuffs then she grabs a clone's arm like when she goes a puncher, pins it behind her her back and then puts the cuffs on her and then flips her like over like does a flip or whatever and she lands like in the backseat of batmobile on the lap of the the, the guy and, and the nun. And the clone's like, but I'm supposed to be the upgrade. And then Harley says to the nut, she's like, put in a good word for me with the the dude upstairs, sister. She hits like a key pop thing and the Batmobile closes. I was like, is the Batmobile going anywhere? Is going to be stuck in there? At LexCorp in the board meeting, uh, boardroom, Lex mentions that there's a motion on a, you know, finally there's a motion on a docket to oust me. And Ivy's like, yes, because CEOs should be leaders, not petty sun-blocking, uh dum-dums dumb because she's like so tired and everything she can't think of anything clever to say. So Lex is like all in favor of me maintaining my position say I. So they vote and it's it's six to six. I remain CEO of LexCorp. You can't take what's mine. I take what's yours. And then he like yanks her IV. He's like what's this? he tastes it. B12. And then a bloody golf club like hits a table. So there's this lady holding it. I'm like who is this lady supposed to be? Because she looks kind of familiar. And then She's like, what about Clegg's vote? And Ivy's like, hi, who are you? She says, Devorah McElwaith, Clegg's wife. So that was a lady who was in the the hottest hotties magazine. She's like, well, I was until you impaled his butthole with this golf club. And Lux is like, so say I, as was his dying wish. So uh, Devorah says, Ivy, I don't know you and I hate your shoes, but your girlfriend avenged my clavicle when no one else would, especially Clegg. So the least I can do is vote with you on whatever this is. Nay. And then Ivy rejoices. And I don't understand what this means. She's like, whose balls are in the cat box now, bitch? (laughs) Balls in the cat box. (laughs) Batgirl turns, is like up on the on the roof of the police station, I guess. She's like turns the bat signal on, off, on, off like like nothing. Then Harley walks up the like the stairs with a couple coffees and she's like, oh, I've you know, I've been looking everywhere for you and Batgirl's just like bummed. She's like, I'm never gonna find Nightwing's killer and Harley's like, Ugh She's like, You'll get the next one. I, I messed up millions of times and and you never gave up on me. Even when I killed Professor Pig or Dax that that mailman. It's like we all mess up. The world's not black and white. I mean now it actually kind of is, but like normally, she's like, are, are you, are you going to say something? You're kind of weirding me out. And then you hear, back away from the imposter, girlfriend. I'm the real Harley. This is, that's obviously not. So then real Harley's like, Ugh, you sneaky little skink! How did you get out? And she pulls out her bobby pin. and She's like, damn it, I'm good. So Batgirl's like, what's happening? Is this a flash prank? I don't always get his humor, but it's easier to just laugh. So then the other two start fighting with her, their bats, you know, bang, 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 clanking each other. Harley loses her bat, and then she yells to Batgirl to help. You know, she's trying to take over her life, and the clone's like, you aren't doing anything with it. They continue fighting, and Batgirl's like, which one is, is really Harley? And they're both like me, and Batgirl's she's like, just like, just, just hang on, just stop. And she's like, the world isn't black and white. And one says, of course it is. So, obviously, that's a clone because Harley just said it wasn't black and white. So, Batgirl throws a, a batarang, like, slices her arm, and then Harley kisses the clone and says something. like, oh, you are a good kisser or something like that. Then she does this, like, she picks her up, like, f- flips her, like, over her shoulder, they, they, off the roof, but then they both fa- fall off the roof. And Batgirl's like, no, and she reaches out. She grabs Harley's hand, but which one did she grab? And then the other one's, like, falling. There's a big big splat. <laughs> Then a voice below is like, hey, they're giving away free mashed taters. Kids, get your spoons, which is so disgusting. And so then Batgirl's like, Harley, why'd you do that? And she's like, she killed Nightwing. And then Batgirl's like, that frick, frickin' bee. She actually says bee, and that's because she doesn't swear. At LexCorp, Ivy's like, all right, we are deactivating the Earthsaver. And some big dude like brings this button and he's like, so uh, are you going to push it? She's like, yeah, I was just waiting for her. is uh, where's Lex? Then Clegg's wife says that she's like, I got to go. She's like, I started to get hives around this many Noties. Notties like because they're not not hot. They're not hotties. She's like, okay, fine, it's fine. It's, boom, she hits a button. And we see the laser stops, the clouds start to go away, the sun starts shining. And like we see Mama in Italy, you know, she picks up a leaf, the leaf gets, and it turns, it's like green, it's starting to get color. We see Captain Cold outside the Legion of Doom and his costume turns blue. He looks at his pants and he says something about his royal blue walnuts, that's whatever. Alfred's like pouring some wine and whatever, you know, seeing all these people. Then Ivy's like, woo, one step closer to dismantling the patriarchy. Am I right? But the other board members just like walk out and she's like, who wants margaritas? But everyone just leaves. And then you see Lex's like testicle rocket, you know, testicle shaped rocket. like taking off and he like double flips off Ivy. How can he even see her? How does she see him? Whatever. And then Ivy's just like stares out the window as the rocket's like take off. And she's like, this doesn't feel like a victory. So Batgirl and Harley are sitting on the ledge of the roof, looking down. You're just a family like eating the mashed potatoes, which is again disgusting. And Batgirl's like, I can't believe I was working with an imposter. Although it does explain how amped up you were to persecute trademark infringements. So there we go again. And then Harley's like, and I've increased my body count. And Batgirl's like, well, she was a murderer and a potato, so that this doesn't technically count as a killing. And Harley's like, yeah, it was basically cooking, but listen, I don't want to keep getting off on technicalities. I I came to tell you I'm quitting the Bat Family. And she's like, what? Harley, why? I'm tired of fighting who I am. Your double was totally by the book, but I choose you, and I'd always choose you. You just need to work on your hero instincts. And Harley's like, trying to live up to your rules fudged up my relationship with Ivy and messed with my brain. Even when I thought I was doing great, I still killed someone. And Batgirl's like, who tried to take over your life? Harley's like, yes, okay, my double was intensely annoying and uptight and bossy as poop, but neither he nor that ass deserve to die. And Batgirl's like, you mean she? And she's like, yep, anyways, I'm sorry, but I'm finally ready to admit I can't do this. But you can't quit the Bat family. And Harley's like, but I am. You know, the more I force it, the more bad stuff keeps happening. And I, there's a gunshot. And then Batgirl like moves her arm. she's like shot in the in the, the abdomen, kind of like killing joke. And then uh, she's like, no, 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 no. And you start hearing Joker laughing maniacally. He's standing in the doorway to the stairs and he just kind of like, slinks back into the shadows, still laughing. Harley like, growls at him and then she like, screams, you know she's holding Batgirl. There's She's pool of blood, which is red. And, you know they're still not full color, but you see like the blood just like pooling around and uh, it's just getting bigger and bigger. So, is there anyone left in the Bat Family? I mean, I guess there's still Robin, and you know, Bruce is in jail, which I don't know if he's coming out anytime soon. But I still can't believe they killed Nightwing, and now Batgirl, unless she survived somehow, maybe. But what's up with Lex? Is where's he going to the moon now? Is Apocalypse still over? Because the color's coming back. I don't even know. But I think there's one more episode, that I do know. Okay, Twisted Metal, Season 1, Episode 10, S H N G R L A, Shangla. No idea, I'm gonna say this right now, no idea, as I record this and I watch, it turns out they announced it, no idea if there's a Season 2. This episode majorly. Sets things up, you know, there, I mean, it, it's not like it just stops or, but there's, there's definitely it's setting up a second season. I mean, we get pretty much most of everything tied up here, but there's still, okay, where the heck is it going to go from here? There's, there's still a lot, you know, it, yeah, no idea how this did. Uh, I, I don't think, I think it was like 60 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, who knows what that means. I, I don't know. I mean, it, so the critics didn't hate it. I think the audience score was, was higher than that. I I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I would definitely go for a second season. I would just prefer they don't drop it all at once. Alright, let's get to it. It starts off you remember where there's a okay, big battle. And it, they obviously they, they saved the best for last because it yeah, so it starts off with the distance by cake starts up. <laughs> You know the song. John and Quiet, they get ready in roadkill. Amber is at the wheel of the truck uh, that the pharmacist, quote-unquote pharmacist lady. Watts is in a race car. And then on the other side, Stone's getting ready. You know, he's in, in his SUV. The, uh, Jamie, to one cop, her and her brother, they're in like a pink hearse. And, you know, there's all these other you know, officers, whatever. So the Jamie's gets on, on the radio. She's like, if they're not black and blue, they're not getting through. Then Sweet Tooth drives up. You know he's got the the fire in his head. Time to send in the clown. So Watts is like, let's clear a path. And it looks, it, it's it basically it's it's like the video game now because everyone's shooting and driving. It's it's just it's it's nuts. Quiet tells John to line her up, and then she like tosses a uh, a little because she has these little hatches. I don't know where all these little mini hatches came from, but she tosses something while hanging out the window hits a dude right in the forehead and and john's like whoa and then like quiet so she's got this big machine gun and you know in front of the the passenger side and she's like goes to start shooting but it's like jammed. so john tells her to drive they switch spots then he like tinkers with it he unjams it (laughs) so he starts shooting and he's like jello law man and she's like why do you always say Jello like that? He's like, it means goodbye. And she's like, what? She's like, no, it doesn't. It's a dessert, you moron. He's like, no, it's insider slaying. She's like a dude said it after dinner before he, he's like, God damn it. (laughs) So then, uh, two, as they're, they're talking about this, two cars pull up on either side of them. So then they're, they're both like behind you. And then they, they like shoot opposite ends, you know, opposite sides take out the two two drivers and everything. Then they look at each other, they start smooching while they're driving. (laughs) Then Sweet Tooth pulls up next to him, and he's like, aw, I always knew you two would work things out. And hey, I love what you've done with the car. (laughs) Even though it's a totally different car. (laughs) And then uh, John's like, hey, thanks man. Uh, Love what you've done with your uh, fire hair? And Quiet's like, looks really good. He's like, oh, I'm just trying something new, which I don't understand how it's not like frying his brain to skull or whatever. And then uh, Kwai's like, hey, I heard you got a, a beef with stone. And Sweet Tooth's like, ha ha. He's like, beef? I got a whole butcher shop. Stone is mine. Ta. He like pulls out in front of them. And and in the back, you know, because the, the back is open. I don't even know if there what happened to the back door, if there is a back door. but he Stu flips them off the back. He's like, screw you, man. And John smiles and points. He's like, holy spit. And I, I, he can't think of his name. And Quiet can't either. She's like, I want to say a uh, blue. And John's like, no, it begins with S. It's it's on the tick of my, my tongue. And he's like, Stu, Stu. And John and Quiet both of them are like Stu <laughs> So, and then stone is behind them shooting and they they just somehow turn it onto a racetrack so it this, they were right by a racetrack i guess because they go around there not this is convenient for the for the sake of the show and you make it like a game stone shoots like a, a missile and it's about to hit them but then watts she speeds up in her race car and the missile starts following her and she's like you're welcome and then Stone kind of like scream, curses, whatever, in surprise. The missile gets close to hitting Watts, and it's like it's like almost hitting like the back of her car. And then she starts gunning it, and it looks like her engine's about to blow. There's like a warning, but she somehow circled around. So and then she's like facing Stone, so it would like line up with him. She swerves, but then he or he he, he swerves out of the way. The missile ends up hitting Jamie and her brother. So I I'm, I'm I guess they're they're gone. So then Watts gets on the radio. She's like, okay, to John and Quiet, she's like, now's your chance to skedaddle. And she's like, we can't leave you to fight this. And she's like, the fudge, you can't. She's like, I'm totter, y'all. You're bogarting my kills. Stone yells. She's like, someone killed a fudging truck. So then, uh, Amber's driving a truck. She gets shot through the windshield. She gets like hit in the neck, and there's there's like someone sitting next to her, and she like starts trying to tend to her, or whatever. Sweet Tooth heads for Stone, and he, he says that he can't hide from him. He's like, "I scream, no, you scream." Hits a bunch of buttons. Several missiles launch. Stu almost falls out the back, but then Mike grabs him, saves him, and then the the truck. The, the big semi, gets hit by—there's a bunch of missiles, and the truck kind of gets gets blown up. So the truck—I don't know I think it was quite a direct hit, but it gets hit. Watts zips around to, to go and check on Amber, and Stu yells at Sweet Tooth. He's like, why'd you do that? They were on our side. Sweet Tooth laughs. He's like, there are no sides, Stuart. Everyone burns. And Mike's like, I've had enough of this. And, you know, he decides he, you know, he's got a assault rifle. He's going to shoot Sweet Tooth. But then Sweet Tooth grabs him. Gotcha. And, you know, he's still driving. And he's like, okay, Stewie, now's your chance to show me your fangs. And he's like, pull the trigger and put your doggy down. And and then he thinks back to when they were when they first went to Stone when they were shooting you know the initiation thing and then Mike ends up taking out the vulture because Stu couldn't do it and then he's thinking like when John and Quiet were yelling at him they're like do it do it when you know they were supposed to, he was pointing a gun at them because they didn't want to jump off out that door on the dam and so like come on Stu you can do this and then he shoots but he shoots Sweet Tooth. But it's like wait, where did he shoot him? How bad? Cuz he's like, "Oh, you see some blood splatter, the, the truck kind of swerves, then Stu and Mike they jump out the back and they they roll like on the, the racetrack and they're like in pain from hitting the pavement. Then, you know, Mike says, you know, to Stu, he's like, "You just saved my ass." And Stu, he's like, he's like "Oh, man." He's like, "I think I skinned my wing." And he's like Mike's like, oh, "Whatever." And Stu's like, oh, I, "I don't I'm afraid to look at it." So Sweet Tooth is obviously still okay, but there's like some blood on, on his mask by his left eye. So I don't know if he got shot in the eye or through the eye or how much or whatever, but it's, it's not quite clear where he got hit because it's dark in You know, his mask is, you know, you can't see anything, but he's like groaning and yelling. He's like, Stubert. Then Stone comes driving up behind shooting. The back is wide open. So it's like, you know, you would think some bullets are going to go through. And he's like, you abide by the law, clown. And then Sweet Tooth is like Harold, take the wheel. And again, remember Harold's a paper bag, so he takes he takes the paper bag, sticks it in the driver's seat, <laughs> which and then he jumps out onto Stone's hood, and Stone's like, get off my car, and and but Sweet Tooth starts like pounding on the windshield, and Sweet Tooth like, you took everything from me, and it's like starting to shatter, and Stone's like, W T F. And then he's like, "Hey, you're dripping eye blood on the hood." And then he's like, "Oh fudge it!" He shoots at Sweet Tooth like he th- you know, takes out a pistol, shoots through the windshield. He falls off the car, so it's like, did he get hit by a bullet or not? But then he he gets up, staggers to his feet, and then bam, gets hit by an SUV. Stu and Mike are driving it, and Stu's, Stu's like surprised, so I don't think it was intentional. He's like, did I, did I kill him?" And Mike's like, "Well, do you want to turn around and check for a pulse?" He's like, "Let's get the hell out of here." And then we see Sweet Tooth's mask just lying on a pavement. And and then the Herald, the paper bag, flutters and like lands next to it. So it's like, is that the end of Sweet Tooth? Quiet's still driving and John's like, holy spit. it's like, I think we're going to make it. Of course, as soon as he says that, they start getting shot. Stupid Stone is somehow right behind them, like gritting his teeth. It's like, how the heck did he catch up to him? That's ridiculous. And Quiet's like, she's like, I'm so tired of running from Officer Dick Cheese. And she's like, hang on. And he's like, thanks for the warning. He's like, hangs on. She cuts the wheel and then starts driving like right at Stone. And he's like, oh, okay, we can play chicken. And he starts shooting missiles at them and then they swerve. Both of them are shooting. Then John and Quiet both yell, Now The hood of the of roadkiller car, like slides forward, kind of like a ramp. Stone's like, uh-oh. He hits it, goes flying up lands and rolls <laughs> spins like rolls over twice and an SUV is just like lying on the side uh, on, on the road John and Quiet like stopped too but then they seem to be like somehow that knocked them out I don't understand why, why that happened Quiet comes to and she sees that John is out and just, maybe he's dead and you know she starts checking on him but then somehow how long was she out I don't know but somehow Stone is at the side of the car pulling her out It's like, okay, his car landed hard and rolled and he was okay to get out. I think, I don't know if it was like landed on driver's side. So he had to climb out. He's able to walk a hundred feet or whatever to their car and and pull her out, even though she just woke up. And uh, so he pulls her out and, and then he takes out his gun because, you know, that's the only thing that makes him cool, makes him a man. You know, he's got to have a gun and he's like, well, oh well, it's just you and me again. You know, when I was walking beat in Topeka, I used to see pieces of trash just like you. They'd mock me, call me names, spit on me just because I was trying to keep the streets safe. When the power grid blew, all those same fudge heads came to my door wanting to be protected, wanting to be safe. It's like, that's not what the flashback showed us. And then he's like, but you know what they all really wanted? They just wanted to be kept in line. And quite like, Look at him and she starts cracking up. He's like, What's so fudging funny? She's like, You talk so much. She's like, All this talk about rules and laws, it's all BS. You're just a sad, lonely man and you think you're in control. And he like squats down a little bit, you know, to, to get closer at eye level. He's like, I am in control. And she like slowly shakes her head. She's like, No. She's like, You're just the one holding the gun. And he's like, Any last words? And she's like, knock knock and then front off the side who's there john's out of the car throws a mini hatchet bam smacks him like in the face like um like just off center a little bit like kind of in the jaw next to the nose it's uh, it's i'm thinking it's like okay must have hit some teeth and jaw, jaw and it's just it's it's like sticking in, in his face he he drops his gun then he like falls to his knee and quiet like picks up the gun Takes out the, the cartridge and she cocks it. So there's one, like one bullet in the chamber that she points at him. John's just kind of like watching, doesn't say anything. And, you know, he's like, is she going to do it? Whatever, should she do it? Is it, is it crossing a line if she does it? But then she lowers a gun. And she's like, I'm going to give you a tough choice. You can die slowly. She sets a gun down like in front of him and whispers, or you can die fast. He said, you have a good day now, mother trucker. John drives him away stone is still like on his knees and he's like pointing the gun at them. And then he lowers it. And then he sees that, that bloody teddy bear. It's not really there. I'm sure, you know, the teddy bear from when the families were trying to get food at the restaurant and he ends up killing all the the family guys, the fathers, whatever. And then he's like haunted by this bloody teddy bear. So the teddy bear is supposedly like in in front of him, and then quiet and John are driving and they hear a gunshot and then they like lock hands. And then John just rubs the engine. So the question is, did Stone kill himself? Because the, the main thing, you know, it, it that's what we're led to believe, but we didn't see it. And yes, this isn't an overly gruesome show. There's a lot of blood splatter and stuff like that, but we didn't see him actually do it. So he could have just like shot in the air, he could have shot the imaginary teddy bear. That's more what I'm thinking. Cause yeah, he's got this hatch in his face, which is gonna suck, but It's not like it's going to kill him, you know, it didn't, uh, I don't know. So I think he's just going to have a big scar and maybe some busted teeth have to get, you know, some dental work done somehow. Cause if there's a season two, you know, he's got to come back. Cause it's going to like, you know, catch them off guard. I don't know. Then Watts runs up to Amber. It's so it turns out she's fine. You know, her neck is like wrapped up. The truck is like all burnt and everything like that. The other driver that was with Amber looks like she's, she's dead. And then Watts is like, those mothers are going to pay. So who is she talking about? Is she talking about, like, Sweet Tooth, Stu, and Mike? Because it was really Sweet Tooth, but, you know, she doesn't know that. She probably thinks it's all whoever's in that truck. I don't know if she's talking about Stone. Stone could be dead. Anyway, so then John and Quiet, they drive over to Golden Gate. They drive up to the new San Francisco city gate, and John yells out the window. He's like, hey, Bill, I'm back. You miss me? And then the guard yells, Bill got promoted. He's like, you do not have clearance to approach. It's a woman's, like, security guard. And John's like, look, I know you're just trying to do your job, but I have a life changing opportunity that's going to expire if I don't deliver this package. And he looks at the watch one minute and 17, 16, 15. You see where I'm going with this? And she's like, yeah, that's not my problem. And he's like, "Uh, it will be if Raven hears her delivery expired right outside her gate. And then she's like, holy spit. And then on the radio, she's like, tell Raven the milkman made it. So they get out of roadkill for some... It's like, I don't understand why they got out of the car because last time he drove inside. So they, they got out of the roadkill. The gate's open. Raven walks up to him like right away. So she must be pretty close to the gate. And she's got like like two security guard goons. And she's like, someone's had a busy 10 days. And John's like, I'm not the only one. He's like, hey, congratulations on the promotion, Bill. She treating you well, good pay, good benefits. And Bill's just like stone-faced, doesn't say anything. And, and then, but then the thief, he's fine, like, just give her the package, John. And John's like, wow, fudge you, Bill. So, but again, it's weird that they're outside the city gates. He's like, why is this? I was like, I would be worried it's a trap. Raven puts her hand out and quiet, like says to John, she's like, how do we know she's actually going to pay up? And he's like, this is how milkman delivery works. It's like only person who's making it weird right now is you. So quiet hands the bag to Raven. Uh, she, she takes out like the, the metal case and Raven's like congratulations John, welcome to New San Francisco they like smile, hold hands they start walking and then Bill and the other dude they, start, you know, they cock their guns and point and he's like hey hey whoa hold on man, Bill calm down she's with me, Raven's like John she's not allowed to enter and John's like well you wouldn't have it if it wasn't for her and Raven's like we had a deal John, you and me and John's like and she's with me that's all you need to know and he like takes a, a half step forward, and then more more guns like cock. Raven puts up her hand. Quiet looks at John, and then he's like, "If she can't go in, fine. I'm not going in either." And Quiet's like, "John, don't do this. You wanted this your whole life, right?" He's like, "Yeah, but." And then she pulls out a gun and points it at him. He's she's like, "Then you need to go." And then softly he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm not going to be the reason you don't go inside. So you're going to go in, and you're going to be happy. You got it." She, she cocks the gun. She's like, I mean it. He's like, quiet. She like shoots him and he's down. And she's like, he needs medical attention. Get him inside. Raven's like, go on. And Raven like walks inside Bill and the other dude, like are, they grab and drag him in. And he's like looking back. He's like, what? He's like, quiet. No, quiet. The gates close behind them. And, and then softly, she's like, jello, John. <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny, but it was. So she like she sniffles a bit. Uh, the other guards still have their rifles pointed at her. She walks to roadkill, the car, and then the lady officer yells. She's like, stop now. And Quiet puts her hands up, and she just turns around. The lady gives her a yellow satchel. She's like, here, John usually makes this run, but since he's retired, and Quiet's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? She's like, deliver it. We need a new milkman. She like looks at the satchel, and she tosses it to the people standing behind the car, and the, the guard's like, hey, hey, hey. And then they started opening up. There's like boxes of rice and rolling stuff like that. She's like, that was for San Diego. And Quiet's like, fudge San Diego. And then she gets in the car. Bill tells Raven that the milkman is stabilized. The doc said that he'll be fine. But the girl, and he's like, couldn't you have just let her in? And Raven's like, she complicates things. And she looks at the box and chuckles. And she's like, imagine what John went through driving halfway across the country, all to deliver, she opens a box and like some little sm- like smoke comes out. She's like, All to deliver this. It's Rocky Road ice cream. So it's like in a frozen thing. So it's like, and she starts eating it. And he's like, What do you think? She's like, It's fine. She's like, I ordered pist- pistachio. She's like, Of course they fudge up my order. He's like, No, I meant about John. And she's like, Oh, he passed his test. And Calypso kept his end of the bargain mostly. And ugh. she's like, Marshmallows. Blech. So then Bill's like, so it's time that we start prepping him for his new position. She's like, mm, not yet. Let him acclimate, get a feel for the good life inside. Then we'll talk about what comes next. Then it cuts to one month later, John wakes up in bed and you can see there's like a bunch of containers, like off to the side. Cause he wanted, you know, containers he went to container server before he kind of smiles, gets up, has some like toaster strudels with like frosting with the, he, he draws like a smiley face on one and, uh, Rocket ship on the other. And, and he puts a box in the freezer. It's full of, of, of chocolate toaster strudels. It's like, it's like all there is in there. Then he's like standing outside. Then he's like, All right, jerk off. He's like, It's just you and me. He's like, Now, are we going to work it out today or not? He's talking to a 10 speed bike. And then it cuts to a lot of scenes, like a montage of him trying to ride the bike. He's like trying to lean against the wall, like trying to push himself. He's, he's like wobbling, he's yelling. He's like, why do you make me do this to you? He's like more trying, then he like throws it and he throws it in a dumpster and people are, kind of, cause he's kind of like in this alley. People are like staring at him. He's like, what? Another day, another toaster strudels, you know, smiley face rocket ship. You're walking down the street, a couple of ladies like, good morning, John. Other people are like, hey, what's up, John? You know, everyone's like saying hi, waving to him. It's like that. Then another day he wakes up, toaster strudels, goes to the bar, yucking it up with some dudes. he's like, like the weirdest thing i ever eaten was an owl. And this one dude, I think his name's Chester, he's like he's like he's like, why and John's like oh because you know how it is I, I got had the midnight munchies and then this, that dude's like you're such a badass John he's like you must have like killed so many people and John's like uh yeah a few yeah but but like how many and it's almost like like an awkward pause and he's like I, I mean I don't count dude and a guy laughs he doesn't keep count like I said you're a badass and he's like ooh, you got to tell him about the clown And Raven's like sitting at a booth, like, you know, close by. She kind of smiles and like raises her glass. And uh, later, John knocks on the door. Like, this lady, Diane, it's like her door. She invites him in, and then he admits that he's never been set up on a thing like this. And then he's like, Chester told me you're a guard with him. And she's like, You don't remember me? And she like holds up her voice and she like lowers her voice. She's like, You don't have clearance to approach. He's like, oh, spit. He's like, Bill's replacement. He's like, I didn't even recognize you. And she's like, must be the hair. He's like, I didn't, I didn't even see past the gun. Then she's like, let me get you a drink. Do you like wine? He's like, uh, toilet or sink? And she's like, uh, how about red? Then there's another knock on the door. She's like, oh, that's a pizza. There's a delivery guy. He's like, cheese pizza. And then he's like, wow. He's like, I've never been on the other side of a delivery. He's like, "Ah, I'm I'm supposed to give you something, right? And the guy like nods. So John like goes in his pocket. He gives him like six bullets or something like that. He's like, here you go. And the guy's like, bullets. Uh, And then John's like, would you prefer gasoline? And then the dude's like, there's cash right there, dude. You know, it's on a little table by the door. So he gives, I think it was like 220 or something like that. And John's like, I hope that makes a warm fire for you because he's used to like burning money. And, and he's like, and thanks. I really appreciate what you went through to get this here. And the guy's like, uh, it's not a big deal, man. So then they're sitting like in front of, a, I think it was like a TV or, you know, whatever. I don't know if there, it was a TV. if there, Would there be watching, would there be TV or not? I don't know. And he's like, so this is pizza. And she's like, you've never had pizza. Then he remembers qu- quiet reacting over the fact. And she said the same thing. He's like, no. Then Diane's like, I'm honored to be here for your first time. And he's like, Thanks. And she's, like, staring at him, like, as he takes a bite and eats. And she's, like, good. And he's, like, uh-huh. Then later, he's, like, sitting alone. And he's, like, teary-eyed because he's missing quiet. Then uh, we see this milk, this other milkman dude. He's sitting, like, in the back of his car. He's, like, eating something. I forget what it was. Then he hears someone run. she like, kind of jumps off. He's, like, I know you're out there. He's, like, you don't know who you're messing with. And then Quiet somehow pops up behind him and puts like a hatchet to his throat, like one of her mini hatches. And then he's like, oh, if you're going to kill me, do it quick. And he like, you know, calls her a vulture or whatever. She's like, I'm not a vulture, you butt munch. And she's like, and I don't want to kill you. And she's like, You're delivery, I want half. And then she like walks in front of him. He's like, I heard of you. You're the one who's been robbing milkmen. And, and then he's like, I've scratched my taint with twigs bigger than you. You ain't getting poop. And then he like looks back at his car and he like lunges because he has a gun sitting on the back. She throws a hatchet, push, pins his sleeve to the back. And she throws a, a second one and pins his other arm. He's like, Ugh. And she's like, next one I throw, you'll be driving with your feet. And she's like, so, half? He's like, fine, it's in the back. I hope you choke on it. And she's like, it's not for me, you jag off. The insider has been running this poop for far too long. It's time somebody shared the wealth. So then we see her drive. She like, there's a bunch of people like on, on the side of the road or whatever. She tosses out a box, and then they like rush for it. There's like beets and greens and stuff like that. They just start like chomping on it. And we see Raven sitting in the bar. She's like sewing, knitting, or doing something like that. Then there's like several people standing there, and she asks, like, how is John adjusting? So then that Chester dude, he's like, oh, he's doing great. He's like, uh, we all get along. And you know, I, I think that you know, me and the guys, we'd be friends you know, whether or not we had to. So they're obviously just pretending to like him. And she's like, and Diane. Then this other lady, she's like, um, she said it went really well. You know, she's pushing for a second date. Raven's like, good, make sure that happens. She's like, I want John to be happy. And because I want it, you should want that too. And that, that dude, Chester, he's like, oh, John is happy. It's like, he'll be ready to, to drive for you, for you any day now. And then this uh, security, I don't know if it was, I remember if it was Bill. Or not, so the security dude comes in and he tells Raven, he's like, I just got word John Doe is only two blocks away. So then she like gives everyone kind of like a well and you know, they, they all start scrambling to get into places. Then they're all sitting in booths and stuff, whatever, like that. John walks in, they act like they're all in the middle of conversations, like everything's normal. And then that dude he asks John, he's like, Oh, do you wanna join us for a beer? And he's like, No thanks, Chester. And and you'll notice he's wearing his yellow shirt and vest. Like, his his standard, like, outfit. And then looking at Raven, you know, he's like, I'm leaving. And then he's later, you know, sitting with Raven in the booth. And she's like, you really want to leave after I gave you everything I promised? He's like, I even heard things are going swimmingly with Diane. And this, like, kind of catches him off guard. He's like, how do you know about Diane? She's like, it's my job to know everything. And he just kind of like thinks, and then he looks over at the guys and they're kind of looking at him. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of obvious. And they start like yucking it up, like, you know, they're in the middle of whatever. And she's like, the only thing I don't know is what else I could possibly give you. And he's like, something you can't give me. And she's like, the girl? And he like smiles and she like, scoffs. She's like, John, you're seriously going to give all this up for some chick you knew for 10 days? She's like, I've had colds last longer. And he's like, her name's quiet. And Raven's like, no way, that's her real name. You do know her real name, don't you? Also, didn't she shoot you? And he's like, yeah, that happened. She's like, John, that doesn't sound healthy. She's like, okay, look, if that's really how you feel, I will escort you to the gate myself. We just have to make one quick stop first. So we see Quiet, she's like trying to work on Roadkill's engine, she's got the hood up, and she's like, what's wrong with you now? And she's like, it, it finally happened. I'm talking to a car. It's like, I know something didn't die in you. Last time that happened, you smell like a burnt baby raccoon. She's like, you know, thanks a lot for that. And then she's like, maybe something shifted when I slammed into that milkman the other week. Then she's like, oh my God, now I'm fudging asking a car a question. And she like screams. She's like, why won't you work? You rusted piece of poop. And she kicks a tire like like three times or maybe it was like the, side, the front of the car. I don't know. And then she's like, I'm very sorry. She's like, um, that was very rude. You did not deserve that. It's not your fault you're rusted. It's just that we've been together a month and I have no clue how you work. She's like, maybe I should just try, try different pieces. And then there's cut to a memory of John saying, You just try different pieces till you find one that fits. And she's like, Fits. And then she goes to the inside, she turns the ignition and somehow it starts. And she screams for joy. She's like, I fudging did it. Then she's like, WTF, did I do? She doesn't even know what she did. I don't even know what she did. So John and Raven are walking. He's like, Where are you taking me? And then she takes him to this like house. And he looks, he's like, nice house. And she's like, Glad you think so. It's yours. He like chuckles. He's like, You think a residential upgrade is gonna keep me here? Pass. She's like, No, John, this is yours. This is where you grew up. And he's like, wait. And he holds up like the burnt picture. I lived here. She's like, You've got mail. So when I first heard of John Doe the milkman, I did a little digging, and when I heard you had roots here, I dug some more. So there's like pictures of him and his parents in the mailbox, like from when he was a kid. I'm sure you have a lot of questions, and if you stay, you'll get answers. And then as he looks at each picture, he starts getting like a memory, like to go along with it. And then, you know then there's a memory of him saying like the quiet. He's like, I don't know what name I was born with or who I am really. And then you know some of the memories come back. There's like he has a sister, uh, which I guess she was, you can kind of see in the burnt picture like in the back. And there's like Christmas time, you know, taking the, the photo on the front steps, dad like teaching him to drive or something like that. And then the grid must have gone on, the foul begins, whatever you want to call it. So dad gets out, he takes something out of the glove box because, you know, John is behind a wheel and he tells him, he's like, drive. And then, then it cuts to like him waking up after he, he got an accident, smashed his head. And she's like, it's just like I promised you, I brought you home. And he looks at like the pictures again and he looks at her. He's like, this isn't my home. It's his, whatever his name is. This isn't me anymore. He's like, I found my home out there with quiet. And she's like, hmm, wow. I never took you for such a romantic, but if that's your decision, and she motions to guard, and then they, have, they hold a gun up to his head. She's like, this isn't normally how I like to do things, but hey, I'm flexible. She's like, I have a job for you. He's like, I'm not gonna be your milkman. She's like, Milkman. She like laughs. She's like, no, those days for you are long gone, but you're still a driver. Best I've ever seen. You've proved that to me when you made my little run. See, you passed the test, John, and now I need your skills. There's going to be a tournament, the first one of its kind, where the best drivers from all across the country, from all walks of life, are going to be invited to compete. And she's like, see, the tournament only has one rule, survive. And you better believe who you face won't be fair. It's like, this is where you come in, John. And then we see like some, like someone putting pictures, like a kind of like the, the bracket uh, on, on the wall and they're like putting pictures. There's pictures of what um, Watts creature, some, some black dude without a shirt. It's like, it, it, it's like a picture from behind him. I have no idea who that is. If it's someone we've seen and I'm just blanking, we see bloody Mary, but it's like, isn't she dead? And then there's a, Um, And the preacher, is preacher still alive? Yeah, I mean, it could be. Then there's like some dude with like a helmet and a skull painted on it. And then a picture of John. They're all like, you know, put up. She's like, you are my horse and I need you to win. Because Calypso is offering quite a prize. It's like the winner gets their heart's desire, their greatest wish come true. You're going to help me win, John. And you're going to do it by getting behind a wheel and turning every car contestant that crosses your path into nothing but a flaming pile of Twisted Metal. Name it a show, finally. She's like, You will drive, John Doe, and you will win. But it's like, Why? What's his incentive? I keep waiting. It's like, Oh, by the way, we kidnapped Quiet and we're holding her hostage to make you do it. But no, that doesn't happen. Uh, Quiet's driving, and then she's like looking at that like sex book, whatever. There's like other notes and stuff like that well as she's kind of looking she's driving which again is not a good idea obviously someone throws like tire spikes that the tire things like out in, in the road she runs over you know car stops and then in front of her there's this lady with like big like pigtails and this white kind of creepy mask and a big rifle and she's just silently standing in the road and then she gives a little wave and quiet like reaches for the glove box and then she noticed like on the, the that side of the car, there's like maybe another half a dozen people, like they, I think they're all women with like it's almost like a baby doll mask, but not quite. And they're all armed. And then she looks on the other side on you know to her, her left and you know there's all these people there too. And then they all like scream. The one in the front says, Hey girl, I've been dying to talk to you. I heard you know my brother. And I was like holy spit I didn't say holy spit, though. And she's like, he goes by John. So John's sister is still alive. And she's in this, whatever this this group is. And that's where it ends. So it's like, what the heck? So John has to drive in this tournament. Calypso's involved. You know, we haven't seen Calypso why? Why is John going to do this? What's his incentive? Just to survive, so they don't kill him. I mean, it could be that. But once he gets in a car, what's to stop him from you know driving off? And then, what's up with his sister? She doesn't seem too excited. You know, it'd be like, oh, I don't know. But there's a mid-credit scene. <laughs> I almost like turned it off. <laughs> Mike and Stu are sitting like on chairs. They finally reach it. They're like at the ocean or something like that. <laughs> edit um, cut I actually I, I swore for real that time because like, obviously I censor this because I want this to be accessible for like uh, if you're listening to this with your kids in the background or in the car or whatever even though some stuff is not quite appropriate but I try to keep a PG-13 so Mike he's like I told you we'd find it we did shangri Fudge and law He's like, we got everything we need. Or, or Stu's like, we got everything we need. Ladies, liquor, and long dogs. And there's like mannequins sitting next to both of them. And they got these, I don't know where they got the hot dogs from. These like long hot dogs are on sticks. And then he's like, this is Strawberry. She's a doctor and a lawyer. I met her at a strip club. And Mike's like, okay, okay. He's like, uh, he's like this is Cleopatra. She uh, specializes in French cuisine. And Stu's like, ooh la la. And then Mike's like, she uh, is also a stripper so mike says he's like uh, you know i'm thinking of taking a swim what, what do you think or what do they think and Stu's like no she'll sink right to the bottom and, and he's like i tried before and then you hear good evening and then holy spit again it's sweet tooth and he like roars raises big machete and but then he's like actually i have a better idea and he laughs but then he raises the machete again, and then you're, oh no, Mike, ah! And it, it kind of goes in and out, like, you know, black, and then, you know, fade to black, them fade. So there's like blood splatters on Cleopatra. So it's like, is Mike dead? And then Sweet Tooth is dragging Stu away, and he's like, Mike! And then that's where it ends for real. So at least we know Sweet Tooth survived. He got put his mask back on, and he, he's got blood all over him. Did Harold survive? We don't know so that was uh, that's that's twisted metal uh, it was, it was it, I enjoyed the show and you know Anthony Mackie is, is good You know he's, he's got a lot of charisma and he, he really made the show work but I think they did a good job with it so yeah I would definitely 100% be down for season 2 but with the writer strike and actor strike who knows what's going to happen okay and then Ahsoka season 1 episode 5 part 5 shadow warrior shadow warrior who the heck is a shadow warrior Oh, what I, what I didn't... I don't know if I said it last time, but with the fallen Jedi or whatever, I don't think I said... <laughs> fallen Jedi, was that supposed to be Ahsoka because she fell off the cliff? If so, that's, that's kind of cold. <laughs> so, Shadow Warrior uh it's so so it starts off we see like sea the planet we see like the forest with you know the the reddish trees whatever we see like the cliffside the the stone circle you know the the, where we see like the oceans the cliffside the broken sphere lying there and then Hera lands her ship by the stone circle and like the the three remaining x-wings you know they like fly over she calls Carson and she says there's nothing down there and he's like yeah there's nothing up here either and Jason and chopper come down to ramp and he's like, asks yes, if they can come out now, which I'm just like rolling my eyes. It's like, Oh, whatever. And she says that he has to be careful, take chopper with him. Then she hears like some rocks tumbling from like the cliff edge. And she motion, motions for Jason to hang back for a sec. He, he actually, he ducks behind chopper. It's like, <laughs> nice. You know? So if someone comes out shooting choppers, gonna get all shot up and would that even, even stop very much? so she she starts heading you know she has her little, little blaster out and she walks closer it's Huang and he's holding Sabine's helmet and he's like I told them to stay together but they never listen Ahsoka is she's standing on that like light bridge thing in this whatever other n- n- limbo world and she's like Anakin she's like you look the same he's like you look old And she's like, well, that happens. Actually, what happened? You lost a fight. And she's like, I don't remember. And he's like, trust me, you lost. Then she's like, Balen's skull. He's like, oh, you do remember. That's good. And she's like, why? It means you still have a chance. A chance? To live. And she's like, tell me what's going on. I'm here to finish your training. She's like, it's a little late for that. And he's like, one is never too old to learn. Snips. And she's like, all right, what was the lesson master? Live. He ignites his lightsaber. At first I thought it was, it was a white lightsaber, but it's just really light blue. He's like, live <laughs> or die. And she's like, I won't fight you. He like walks towards her and she has to like back up a little bit. He's like, I've heard that before. And he like swings and she blocks with like her saber. So, but does she have her lightsabers? Did she, cause she fell off a cliff. It was in her hand. I don't remember. So he, and then they're like locked, whatever, and he kind of like, like pushes her back. And then they're, you know, they're, they're standing and then, you know, just start fighting. Jason is sitting by the cliff edge looking out. Chopper is like next to him. Hera has like some big radio scanner thing in her hand. Hoang's like looking at, at the broken sphere and he, he says that he's getting nothing. He's like, the map is broken. And he says, you know, whatever their destination was, we have no hope of following. And she's like, well, once we find Sabine and Ahsoka, we can worry about that. Unless the one thing answers the other. She's like, you think they were aboard that ship? Every minute that passes without finding them here, the alternative becomes less desirable. And then Carson comes up. He's like, General, he's like, you know, we're overdue at HQ. Senator Organa says she can only give us cover for so long. And Hera's like... Well, we're not going anywhere until I know exactly what happened here. And Carson's like, if we stay out here any longer without reporting in, people are going to start asking questions. And Jason's like, Mom. And she's like, not now, Jason. And uh, Carson, she's like, we might benefit from people asking a few more questions. Carson's like, not if we don't have any answers. But, Mom, there's something about the water. So she like puts her hand up to Carson. She walks over. She's like, what is it? There's something out there, Mom. And she's like, I can feel it she asked chopper and she's like jason if there is anything out there chopper would pick it up on his scanner no mom and carson's like general he's like we need to figure out what we're going to tell command and she's like i'll cover it she's like what good is a high rank if you can't use it every now and then and then jason's like mom listen and she's like i am listen to the waves so she's like you know she she humors him she closes her eyes she stands there and, you know, she's listening, even though Carson needs some answers. And she's like, I hear the waves crashing. And he's like, no, the lightsabers. And then, you know, you listen, you can actually start hearing, you know, with the, you hear the waves and you can hear like the lightsabers clashing. So then it's like, wait, did she hear it? Because then she turns and she goes towards her ship and she's like, Carson, get your squadron airborne. I, I need you out over ocean, low altitude, full sweep. And he's like, we already did that. And she's like, well, we're doing it again. <laughs> so I like how she's like, dude, I'm general. You're, you're going to do what I say. Deal with it. <laughs> so she's like, Hwang, like, you're with me and the ghost. Jason, good work. Chopper, stay with him. So then Carson talks to Hwang. He's like, what am I missing? What just happened? And Hwang's like, Jason has abilities. His father, Kenan Jarrus, was a Jedi. And then Carson's like, okay, we better get on it then. Anakin and Ahsoka are still, so, you're so clashing. And then she manages, uh, she strikes it. She did, does this like roundhouse kick and kicks him in the side of the head. And then she's like, "Looks like you don't have much left to offer." He's like, looking, is like, "Okay, is he gonna be ticked off?" But then he smiles. I haven't taught you everything yet. And then he slashes at the floor, and she must have been out of end or something like that because it like breaks, it shatters, and she like starts falling into nothingness. And then, like, all the, the nothingness kind of turns into, like, purplish clouds or smoke. And then, then you see nothing, but we, then it starts to clear up a little bit. And we see she's, like, on some sort of surface. Just all these clone troopers are, like, running past her. Then Anakin's, like, forward. And she calls up to him. She's, like, master. And he's, like, hurry up, Snips. And she's, like, wait. And then we, we get a better look at her. She's actually younger. It's, like, holy cow because she looks more like like how she does in the, the animated show. And then she's like, this is a Clone Wars? And he's like, yeah, no kidding. She's like, this was one of our first missions. Why are we here? And he's like, you tell me. She's like, I don't understand. That's your problem. And she ignites her. She has a green lightsaber now and she calls out to him to wait. He's like, you gotta keep up. She's like, what about my training? This is your training. And then the purple clouds thicken again. And when it clears, we see kind of like troopers on floating gurneys. So this must be like some medical area, you know, that they've set up then, then she sits next to one, she, you know, she kind of puts her, her hand on, on his, and then he like touches her hand with his other. And then Anakin comes up and he like kind of looks, he's like, come on Snips, the battle's not over yet. There are more Separatist battle droids approaching. Then she gets up, but she kind of hangs back and like kind of looking around, Anakin stops. And he turns around, and he's like, is there a problem? She's like, we've lost so many. There's always a price to be paid. She's like, it was my fault. They were following my orders. I got them killed. And he's like, come here. This is war, Ahsoka. As a Jedi, it's our job to lead. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. But our mistakes cost lies. That doesn't bother you? Of course it does. It's like, this this isn't what I trained for. And he's like, we must adjust to the times. Look. When Obi-Wan taught me, we were keepers out of the peace. But now, to win this war, I have to teach you to be a soldier. Is that all? I'll have to teach my own Padawan one day how to fight? Do you even want a Padawan? And she's like, hmm? You know, teaching's not all it's cracked up to be. And she's like, really? What makes you say that? And he's like, I'm joking. And she's like, you're joking? Yeah, I'm joking. How can he joke at a time like this? What would you prefer? She's like, I don't know. He's like, tell me, what do you want? You want me to be more serious? I prefer it. It's like, listen, I'm teaching you how to lead, how to survive. And to do that, you're gonna to have to fight. And there's like some explosions nearby. She's like, and what if I want to stop fighting? Then you'll die. And he like walks away, and then he says to the others, like, let's go. They start running again. And she watches him go, and he like turns into Darth Vader for a moment with like a red lightsaber and then back to Anakin. Jason sitting with Chopper. X-Wing flies over to water. Carson radios. Hera asking, he's like, you know, how many times are we going to have to make this circuit? You know, there's nothing out here. And she tells him that widen his sweep along the coast. He's like, we're going to press our fuel reserves. And she's like, I appreciate that, Carson. Now widen your search. <laughs> so again, she's like, thanks for doing that. But you're doing what I say. So then she tells Wing, she's like, Carson's not wrong. You know, Sabine and Ahsoka seem lost and soon to be stranded out there. And he says, you know, luckily the Republic's only a short transmission away. And she's, or he he says that he was surprised that they changed her mind and approved her mission. And she's like, oh, they never changed their mind. She's like, no, I just came anyways, you know, for all the good it did. And Huang's like, I see. So this mission is unauthorized. And she's like, yeah, some general I am. Maybe those senators are right. I got us out here chasing ghosts. And Huang's like, you do things your way because you care. That is why people like you. And she kind of stares at him and then asks, she's like, you know, where are they? You know, people don't just vanish into thin air. Well, no, normally, no. Is there a chance that they're out there? Always, especially with Lady Tano. And Hera's like, yeah, she is tenacious. So was her master. And Hera's like, yeah, what was he like? And Wings like, intense. Then Jason calls his mom. And he says, Chopper thinks that he has something heading and gives like some coordinates. Then she says, she radios cars. She's like, Chopper says you're going to have to get low. And he's like, How low? And he's like, Pretty low, as low as you can get. So then we see Ahsoka's like fighting Mandalorians. And you know, she's like, juju. she's like taking them out. They're just slashing, whatever like that. Rex is there. He's like, Nice work, Commander. We'll secure the perimeter. And, and we only know it's Rex because the closed caption said so. So then she's just stands there, like with her arms crossed. Anakin makes his way back to her, and he's like, I don't know this path. And she's like, It was the siege of Mandalore, we had parted ways by now. He's like, Looks intense, and she's like, It was. You're a warrior now, as I trained you to be. And she's like, Scott, she's like, Is that all? And he's like, Ahsoka, within you will be everything I am, all the knowledge I possess, just as I inherited knowledge from my master and he from his. You're part of a legacy. She like, shakes her head a little. She's like, but my part of the that legacy is one of death and war. But you're more than that because I'm more than that. And she's like, you are more Anakin, but more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. Is that what this is about? If I am everything you are, you've learned nothing. And she's like, don't say that. And he's like, back to the beginning. I gave you a chance. I gave you a choice. Live. And then now he has a red saber. Or die, and she's like, "No, incorrect." He delivers a hard strike, which she blocks with like both of her white sabers, and then, psh, 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 psh. and he kind of like toys with her a little bit, and then then he like kicks her into s- smoke. She lands on a light bridge again, and she sees Anakin like walking towards her, and he has a red lightsaber. He flickers back and forth again from Anakin to Vader to Anakin, and he's like, "You lack conviction. Psh, psh, psh. Time to die." And he, like, knocks one saber out of her hand, and he kind of, like, kicks her, and, then, like, the other one's gone, too. He, like, swings, but she dodges. He swings again. She dodges again, but then is able to grab his, like, lightsaber out of his hand, and it holds, like, up to his face. And she's, like, staring it into his eyes. And he's, like, scowling. And she looks like she's, like, she's about to strike. She's, like, so tempted just, like, to take him out. And then she deactivates it, tosses it off the side. And she's, like, I choose to live. He backs away a little, stands there, and then kind of smiles. There's hope for you yet. He he kind of looks over like her shoulder, and she hears something, some rumbling, whatever, she looks, and then she turns back, and Anakin's gone. And then you got the distant rumbling going on. She looks around, and it's like kind of like snowing, or light particles are falling, and then the bridge is gone. And she's standing like in water and it's like getting deeper and deeper and it's like up to her neck then she closes her eyes and she's like submerged then we see her body's like floating just below the surface and she sees like a light overhead and she you know she opens her her eyes whatever and someone drops down a cable and then you know jumps into water it's like an x-wing pilot grabs her her eyes are open and she's quietly like Anakin Anakin so she's got pulled out so Jason smiles and because he sees his mom's return and he's like, they got her chop. So she's lying in a bunk now on, on the ghost on her ship, opens her eyes. It's like the sun's like shining on her. She sits up. Hoang walks in and like welcomes her back. And she's like, how long was I out? He's like one rotation. However, you might have been lost for good. If not for Jason, she's like, Jason is here with his mother and a squadron of X-wings, all unauthorized, of course. And she's like, And Sabine? No, we have not found her. We were hoping you could explain what happened. Then he hands her like half of the the charged sphere. So Ahsoka exits the ship. She sees Hera out with like Jason and Chopper. Then Jason sees her, goes up to her, gives her a hug. And she's like, I owe you my thanks. He's like, I heard you fighting. She's like, you did? Yeah, lightsabers. Who are you fighting with? And then Hera cuts in. She's like, hey, I have an idea. Huang? Huang? why don't you show Jason inside your starship? He's like, I've been inside a starship before. And she's like, or Ahsoka's like a Jedi starship. And he's like, (gasps) Hwang's like, come along. I'll show you the training room. And Jason's like, you have a training room in your starship? Will you train me? No. And he's like, do you know how to build a lightsaber? Yes. Will you teach me? No. (laughs) I just love how Hwang is just so like, He's like, like cut, cuts the bowl. No bowl. He just just says it. So then, when Hera and Asoka are alone, she's like, "I know you just recovered, but I have to ask: Where's Sabine?" Asoka's like, "The last time I saw Sabine, she was holding this. She's got the, the half of the sphere." Hera's like, "And that's significant." Asoka's like, "She might have left an impression on it, like a memory." And Hera's like, "So we'll know what happened, possibly." And then she, like, closes her eyes. She hears Sabine yell, stop. You know, she hears a conversation, Balin saying that they're alike. Come with them. There'll be no harm. You'll be reunited with your friend. Do it for Ezra, all that stuff. And then she's like, they took her with them. And Hera's like, then she's alive. And Ahsoka's like, yes, at least she was when she left Cetos So Hera's like, we have to go after them. And Ahsoka's like, I'm afraid it's not that simple. Carson walks up and tells Hera that they have a problem. And she's like, what else? He's like, it's the fleet. They're underway. And Hera's like, they're a little late. Carson's like, I don't think they're coming to help. And Chakra is like, uh And then to Ahsoka, Hera's like, I'll deal with this. You can work on a way to find Sabine. And she's like, right. So she looks at like Sabine's helmet sitting on a rock she looks at like the broken sphere then she like looks up here's like some roars and there's like space the space whales are up there so Hera talks to Mon on and a holo thing and she's like you can't be serious Mon Manta's like do you have Morgan Elspeth in custody no do you have evidence of imperial remnant activity or of General Thrawn's return no then I'm afraid there's nothing more I can do. You and Ahsoka Tano are to return to Coruscant with the fleet. And Hera's like, I- I'm not sure she'll agree to that. I- I'm not sure I agree to that. Monmouth is like, Hera, the Senate Oversight Committee is going to determine if your command should be permanently suspended. And Carson like, kind of like tenses a bit at this. She's like, you are going to need her testimony to help you. I'm sorry. And ends transmission. So in Carson, she's like, I don't know how you score this, but we're losing right now. So it's like, all right, if, if I was Hera, I'd be like, all right, screw you, buddy. I'm out of here. This is my ship anyways. See ya. Good luck with your little republic when you, you realize you're going to need us. Ahsoka walks in a cockpit. She's like, I know how to find Sabine. So the two starships, a, a Hera ship and a Ahsoka ship, and a three X-Wings lift off. Then they split up. Hera's like, I'm not so sure I like this plan. Hwang's like, yes, I would like to second that. And Ahsoka's like, there's no other way without the map. We don't have the proper hyperspace coordinates. And Hera's like, and you think they do? Ahsoka's like, only one way to find out. So they fly uh, up, they're like in an in a, in a upper atmosphere or whatever. They go by a herd of whales or a pod of whales, whatever. Hoang directs them like to one of the large ones. So Ahsoka's like, yes, that will do. Wish me luck. So she steps outside the airlock. So she's like on top of the ship. And then this big whale kind of rises up to meet her. Carson calls Hera and says that they have incoming. And Hera's like, no good, Carson. It's like, you know, they can't interrupt. They'll frighten the pod. And Carson's like, how much time do you need? And Hera's like, I don't know. Just don't let them approach. Copy. So, the three, I forget the ship's name, the, the submarine sandwich ships, they, three of them exit hyperspace and they start approaching the planet. Then uh, the X Wings fly up to them. Carson asks if they can identify themselves. Captain says that, she's like, Captain Teva, or whatever, you know, Lieutenant, what, what's his name? Teva, Carson. She's like, You're far from home. And Carson, you know, Teva, he's just like, Repeat, please identify yourself. And she's like, Captain, you know very well who we are and why we are here. Now, where is General Syndulla? And Carson's like, I'm afraid that's classified information. In fact, you're going to have to halt your approach to the planet until I receive confirmation that the general has indeed completed her mission. And the, the ship's captain, whatever, she's like, mission? Captain, the reason we are here is because there was no mission. And he's like... I respectfully disagree. So then uh, the captain, she's like, we're all on the same side here. Tell us what Ahsoka Tano and General Syndulla are up to and perhaps we can help. Carson's like, the best way you can help is to maintain your distance until I can confirm that General Syndulla has completed her mission. So then to one one of our technicians, the captain's like, arm tractor beam. She's like, I'll give you one last chance, Captain Teva. Explain the nature of this mission, or I will see to it that you are stripped of your rank for resisting a direct order of, from fleet command. So again, Carson, he's supposed to be this, this super badass dude, right? You know, he's got all this freedom because he's so good at what he does. You're going to take him away. I'd be like, good luck. He's now a bounty hunter. Make more money. He sighs, and he's like, okay, but you're not going to believe me jason's watching from the cockpit of of, of the ghost he asks mom is she really going to talk to them and Hera's like that's the idea he's like wow it's just like the story you used to tell me about you know how the whales took ezra and the bad guys far far away and and they and she's like and they saved us and he's like now they'll tell ahsoka where ezra is that's the hope kiddo so Ahsoka raises her hand closes her eyes there's there's like kind of soft rumbling you know melodic rumbling And the the whale like opens its mouth and Ahsoka, you know, she knocks on a cockpit window and she tells Huang to get inside there. And he's like, well, you'd best get back inside the ship. So Huang asks if she's certain they know where Sabine was taken. And Ahsoka's like, I have no idea. And Huang's like, what? She's like, no idea. We'll just have to see where it goes. It could go anywhere. She's like, but that's better than going nowhere. Carson continues explaining, and he's like, The whales will transport her and her ship, or at least that's the plan. So, an officer tells the captain that they're getting a signal from the ghost. And she, then this Harris, like, Captain Gerard, I think that was her name. She's like, This is General Sindula. I'd move your fleet out of there if I were you. And the captain sees like, this big pot of whales leaving the planet, like headed towards him. And then the captain orders, evases maneuvers, she's like, Get clear of their path. So then the pod starts, like, going, like, past them, like, th- around them and everything like that. They're, then their rears, the end of, like, because they have, like, sort of, like, tentacles at the end, you know, at the, the, their bottoms. They, they kind of start lighting up. So Hera tells Ahsoka, she's like, looks like they're getting ready to jump. And Ahsoka's like, sorry, you can't make the trip. And Hera's like, nah, it's all right. You know, Jason's too young to, to travel between galaxies. And Ahsoka's like, Hera, I'll find her. I promise. And Hera's like, may the force be with you. So these space whales, I, I totally forget the whole nature of them. because I, I feel like I need to go back and watch like the end of, of Rebels. But these space whales can travel through hyperspace. They have like hyperspace capabilities in them. So one whale, swall- or did swallow, put Ahsoka's ship in its mouth and is going to go light speed. And maybe they can sense where, you know, I don't know, but somehow they're going to hopefully take Ahsoka to where Sabine and maybe Ezra are, even though no one else wanted to go with her. I get why they didn't, but it's just kind of weird. And that's the end of the episode. So that was something. And, and again, supposedly this was shown like in theaters. I, I, I don't know, but that was episode five. How is there only one more episode left? It's it's like okay, so is she gonna make it there? Is she gonna find Ezra? Is she gonna find Sabine? Is she gonna find Thrawn? Are they gonna die? Or are they gonna come back? I mean, it's just like it seems like there's a lot to happen in one one episode. All right, then Adventure Time Fiona and Cake Season One Episode Five Destiny. This show it's 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 almost like it's it's borderline like blowing my mind. It's just it's so. Ambitious, and it's just—it's just the stuff that it's doing. Uh, Not that it's—it's like, oh, it's groundbreaking, it's doing all stuff. But I just love what they're doing with the characters, and just—it's not totally not what I what I expected, and and I'm just—I'm really loving it. So hopefully you are too, and and you know you've watched Adventure Time. You know these characters. It starts off and it's like spooky forest. Uh, you know there's you see some things like frozen and ice. Uh, there's like this family. You know there's a couple with a baby. You know they're in a truck, but it's getting pulled by horses. You know so it's like there's a mix of you know errors or whatever. It's nighttime, and then you see like the Ice King or something like, like floating ahead, and then they call him like the Snowman, and then he like freezes the horses and he laughs, and then all, all three of them, including the baby, get frozen. And it's like okay are they dead and then it cuts to like the cornfield from this is where uh fiona cake and simon ended up last episode when they hit the remote and they're going sort of basically going through multiverse is what it is so that snowman guy was probably like an ice king from a different dimension or something like that different earth so simon's like you know pacing in a circle he's talking about you know hit, you know his solution you know, of becoming the ice king again and fiona cake they're just sitting and listening and you know, he says, Ice King, he'll be powerful enough to fend off this scare person who's after them, and he'll be immortal, and Fiona Cake's universe will last forever instead of dying with him. And you know, and he'll be magic again, so magic will be restored to her world like she wants. And Fiona's like, oh, that sounds great. And she's like, but how do we get back inside your head after you know the Fiona world is is cool again? And he's like, well, I'll just recreate the same ritual that you know that brought you here on accident, but I'll do it on purpose. So first, they need to find another magic crown somewhere in the multiverse. And Fiona says, you know, multiverse means multi-crowns to nab. And Simon suggests they start by looking on this world, you know, wherever they are. So Fiona stands and she's like, let's get looking. But then she kind of gets dizzy, or whatever, and she falls back down and she's like, falls asleep. And she's like snoring. Cake takes advantage of her being asleep by taking her phone out of her backpack to f- play this like a, f- a phone game, like the worm game on, on her phone. And she's like, finally. Fiona wakes up later, and she sees, like, Simon and Cake, like, you know, they're, they're kind of messing with the remote, or whatever, and, and, you know, Fiona's phone, because they're like, should you be messing with that? He's like, should you be messing with that? And then Cake hides the phone behind her back when she sees that Fiona's awake, and she tells her, she, Cake tells Fiona that she got her something to eat, and she's kind of lying on this dead rat. She, like, jumps up, and her shirt's, like, stained with blood or whatever. Simon suggests that they go to the nearest library to get an idea where they can find a crown. So Fiona runs off he like looks down at his gown. There's a snowman nearby. So he, he takes like the shirt suit, um, the suit jacket and pants. And he leaves like the, the gown under flies are, are buzzing around Fiona. And she's like, Oh, this shirt was really starting to smell. So she takes off her shirt and just drops it, which is like, wait, you can't do that because that's part of your quote unquote uniform. You know, that's, that's who you are. That's the character. But, and she's like wearing like a, like a sports bra or, or, or something underneath it. And, and, uh, Cake's like, any excuse to be more naked? And Fiona's like, don't make it weird. And she's like, no, I respect it. But they, they noticed someone put up a sign for like meeting place and there's like an arrow up ahead, so they are like, let's go that way. So there's like this city in the distance, and there's like two plumes of smoke coming out. Fiona gets excited because like on a road, she's like, Road loot, you know, so she she goes, she put puts on some goggles that she found like in a trash can. There's like a pair of like uh red high tops and like that. There's kind of like one of those like like Rambo knife from a skeleton arm. And then There's something she calls a Vespucci handbag, supposed to be like a Gucci, I guess. And she's like, I could never afford one of these back home. Cake's like, that's ugly, I want it. And puts it like the bag on her head, like a hat. And Simon says that they both look kind of conspicuous. They should keep a low profile until they know like what's what. So Fiona's, you know, and and she also, she found like one of those like shoulder spike things, kind of like a road warrior, you know, whatever thing. So she's she tells him she's like relax, dude. She's like I played a lot of post apocalyptic RPGs. So we see Scarab in a time cube. Prismo is like trapped in this small cube, and he kind of chuckles. He tells Scarab, he's like, good luck, you know, getting the screen to work without the remote. So Scarab just like tosses the, this little cube in like a hot tub, and and then he takes his like crystal thing and he like makes a door on the screen. So like he's I guess he's cutting through reality. Uh, Fiona, Kate, and Simon are walking through to the little town. They're like at a marketplace. Fiona comments how. You know, she, she looks right at home, the way she's dressed. Cake says that Simon's the one who sticks out like a sore thumb. And then a, a, a couple people nearby freak out because they hear the cat can talk, they're like, it must be magic. This other guy says, he's like, ah, everyone knows there was no magic since the days of the snowman. So it must be, you know, that's who we saw at the beginning of the episode. So then they, they walk off and Simon hisses uh, like Cake, you know, act like a normal cat. Fiona sees the library, but then psh, like a cinder block is thrown through the door. And, you know, a punk runs out with, like, a wheel, wheelbarrow full of books. And then he dumps them in, the, in a pile. And then they light the books on fire. And I think there's, like, this big crocodile or something hanging there. Like, they're going to cook it. This lady on the intercom talks about starting a funeral. So sort they're, of like, way up high. And she introduces uh, the feeder of the snowman, Big Destiny. Big Destiny. And so he's got, you know, the long hair, he's got sunglasses and everything. And he says that, you know, today they're going to say goodbye to the, the body of of Popcorn. You know, he's like, Popcorn was a bomb warlord, the last of his tribe. He died doing what he loved, which was trying to ride an alligator like a horse. So maybe that's what was hanging there. That, that would make sense. And then Fiona's like, Popcorn seemed cool. And then behind him, this blonde kid walks out of the library with this big book. And he, like, puts it in his bag. And then Big Destiny, he, they start, like... He's like starts chanting Popcorn's name and then he's like, oh, Popcorn gang territory belongs to Destiny gang. Then this other warrior dude with like antlers on his hat, he's like, everyone here knows Popcorn signed a treaty on his deathbed making all territories from the creek to the end of the great ditch, the domain of the reindeer boys. And then Big Destiny nods to this girl next to him with like, kind of like a mullet. She kind of like slides down this rope like on her feet, like shh, like kind of surfs down the rope and then she like Jumps and like knocks the dude down like hard, and in Big Destiny's like anybody else, and in the girl like you know the 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 guy's reindeer helmet came off. She just like tosses in the fire. Then she grabs her rope and like pulled back up, and she's like Destiny Gang rules. So the blonde kid is walk, watching and gulps. Simon reminds him like what he said. He's like low profile, and Cake's like boring. <laughs> Then I, Fiona, I think Fiona's like it's like you said, you gotta punch and push your way around. She grabs some random person walking down the street. She's like, "Hey, you!" She's like, "What do you know about the magic crown?" And he just like runs, you know, gets out of her grip. And And then the, the kid hears them, and then Fiona chases after someone else, and you hear like off like off camera, and she's like, "Hey, you, what do you know about the magic crown?" And you hear like, "Please, I'm just a sweet butcher and then this guy at this at, the, at a stall sounding a lot like Choose Goose, so he must be the choose goose in this universe, he's like, "I have the magic crown you seek, but the price I ask is very steep. And Fiona's like, "Okay, weird man, name your price. The crown is but the rarest of treasure. Present your wares, and I'll take their measure." So Fiona starts digging in her backpack. Simon's like, we should really verify the crown before they... And she's like, nah, nah, nah. And then she takes out a bag of chips, but it's like C-H-Y-I-P-S. There's like a red solo cup. There's like a broken flute or something like that with like a twig sticking out or whatever. Some like MLE magazine. There's like a burger on there. I don't know what that was. And then um, she has her phone. She like kind of sticks it like in in her mouth. And the dude's like eyes go big when he sees the phone. A futuristic device? I think that's pretty nice. And she sees that it has no signal. She's like, well, it's no good to me here anyways. You know, but, but cake's like, it's got the worm game. So she's like, deal. He takes the phone, puts it under his hat and he laughs. He takes out like, like a paper crown. And she's like, is that the crown? And Simon's like, no, that's trash. And she's like, give it back. And choose the choose the stall guy. He's not choose goose, but he's something. Like mm-hmm. He's like no return. Fair is fair. She growls like, shakes her fist, and he pulls out this big baseball bat. It has like a hammer, arrow, like barbed wire, nail, like a knife, like sticking out of it. You got burned, and I don't care. And Cakes like you crook, and and she makes like a big fist, a, like extended arm, and like knocks the guy like in half his booth, boots. Like, Punches it. Fiona like in, in the mess. She grabs her phone, and Simon's like, we have to get out of here. The cake's not sure how to nor- return her arm to normal size. So it's like all just like kind of sitting there in the ground. So Fiona tries like lifting and carrying the big giant fist, but it's like heavy. And then uh, this kid in the helmet gas, He's like magic fist. So in, they go into this alley and Simon tells cake that she's too reckless. And cake's like, ah, oh, nobody saw that. But then the, this kid, his name's Peanut. He's like magic cat. He's like with some big dude. He's like, oh, I'm gonna eat that cat. Then I get magic fist. Daddy will have to make me gang leader. So he motions to the big dude. His name's Trauma John to get the cat. And Fiona's like, nobody eats cake. And she charges at the dude. But all her da- hand does is just like lightly slap the guy's tummy. He like laughs and like flicks her back. Peanut's like, like st- stupid bunny. I'd cut your nose off. But it looks like somebody beat me to it. Which is like the fact that it's like, wait, Fiona and Finn don't have nose. Like, ow, that doesn't make any sense. And she's like or maybe i'll take an ear instead then the blonde kid you see him standing on a rooftop and he has a cinder blocks over his head he tosses it down it it hits trauma john because he's got like this metal helmet like a metal hat almost it hits his helmet like cracks and he like falls on his face the 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 blonde kid jumps down takes a knife from peanut and he's like how about your nose bully boy then that girl with big destiny she jumps down she grabs a knife from, from the kid she's like back off!" And then the, the, the blonde kid's like, little Destiny. And she's like, you're a long way from home, Jay. And then Peanut gets up and, and he's like, Destiny's gang is going to kick you. And then she's like, remember your place. And she smacks him back. He's like, I'm going to get so big and then I'm going to get you too, LD. And she just like turns her back to Jay and, and start, she starts coughing. And she's like, don't come here again. Get it go they all run then fiona asks the kid jay who like who is he and he's like shh, not here they go through like this drain pipe like drainage pipe and then he's like when i heard you ask about the crown i could tell that you're new here it's like locals don't like talking about magic and simon's like do you and he's like hard not to my dad was the one who found the crown and simon's like what it's like jay i have to meet your dad and jay's like ha it's like where do you think we're going so Simon tells Fiona that it must be this world's version of him, and then in a the house, you know, they, they go past like they go through the woods. There's like some barbed wires and like kind of traps and stuff like that. And then there's this one arm man with like a me- mechanical arm. He's like chopping wood. So you know who this is, right? Jay calls out to Dad. So he has a thin head on, but like a baseball cap on top. He turns around, and you know, he has like a blonde beard. You know, he's got a pointy nose. And Fiona's like, dang, Apocalypse, Simon is rugged. And Simon's like, no, that's Finn. And he's like, Apocalypse, you. And she's like, <gasps> so then Finn's like, you brought outsiders. And Jay's like, don't, don't be mad. I know I'm not supposed to bring anyone home, but they were in trouble. It's so like, this is Fiona and Simon, and this is cake. Then she's like, hello, handsome. And she extends a, like a giant hand, and he just nods. And he's like, magic cat. I don't truck with magic. You know that. And Jay's like, ah, she's okay, Pop. He's like, Peanut was gonna eat her. He swore he would. And Jay's like, I don't like you mixing up with the Destiny gang. It's not our way. He's like, Yes, dad. And then he like puts his metal hand on his shoulder and he's like, (laughs) Matt. To the others, he's like, Y'all can stay here tonight. And then he's inside, you see, like the kids, he's like, kids, set the table for three more. And there's, like, three other kids. I think there's, like, four other kids. I forget how many he had. Because there's, like, there's, like, two girls and a boy or something like that. Then he's like, you too, Bonnie. And she says that, she's like, I'm scratching Jake. There's this, like, old yellow dog that looks kind of like Jake, but, like, a regular dog. So then they, they, they sit when they get there. And, she, and I, I love it, just a little thing. says Fiona says the cake. She's like, scooch. And the kid's like, Dad, there's a cat at the table. And he's like, the cat is also a guest. And Bonnie's like, hi, cat. And she's like, hey, cutie. And so the, the girl, Bonnie's like, it can talk. And Jay's like, that's why they got ch- chased by the Destiny gang. So the other kid said, that, he's like, oh, that's cool. And Bonnie asks, you know, what do they do if the Destiny gang comes here? And dad's like, I'll slay them if I have to. So Bonnie's like, I can't wait till I'm old enough to kill some jerks. And then uh, Finn's like, who wants soup? And Fiona and Kate both raise their hands. They're like very enthusiastic. This crystal portal opens in Forb, and Scarab walks through. So it's like, we know no one likes Scarab. He's he's a, he's a sucky suck. Um, he looks at a map like on this crystal, and it shows like this flashing dot. So he must be able to detect maybe uh, Fiona cake. I don't know. He walks by the Scarecrow and sniffs the gown. He's like, definitely Prismo, because Prismo gave the gown to Simon. Walks in the city, changes his appearance to look human. He goes up to the Choose Goose guy, so like fixing his stall. He's like, you there, have you seen a group of travelers recently, strange ones? I might feel smarter if you had something to barter. And he's like, I offer you your unmurdered life. And then and his face kind of, it's almost like a Beetlejuice's face expands. He's like, ah! He like hisses, growls, whatever. And he's like, mad cat and woman follow, follows J. Merton West. I hope that answers your request. Back at Finn's Fiona comments that the, the soup has like such a deep flavor and Jay says that it's been simmering for years and he's like you know, it's a soup mom was cooking the day she died we just keep adding to it and Kate um gives some soup to the dog like under the table and it's like puts her hand on uh, her her paw on his head and it leaves like a paw print like because I guess his face is so wrinkly or whatever Bonnie asks her if all kitties talk where she's from and she says no but Maybe they will once they found a magic crown. This gets Finn's attention, but like not in a good way. He's like, you're looking for a magic cr- crown. And Simon's like, that's actually why we're here. So Jay tells us, you know, something of, of its past. And, and Finn slams his fist on the table. He's like, you're a damn fool. And then um, Fiona's like, not cool, farm boy. And he looks at, at like his kids and he gets up. Then he's like, you know, before he leaves, he goes, he's going upstairs. He's like, you can sleep out in a hayloft be gone at first light and kicks like now you two should kiss (laughs) um it's nighttime it looks like there's a shadow approaching somewhere in the hayloft they're all sleeping then jay puts his hand on simon's mouth and shushes him he whispers that his dad has ears like a bat so simon um, quietly wakes Fiona, but she like clonks him on the head just like out of instinct or whatever Then Jay's like I remember something important dad doesn't speak of a crown But one time he drinks cider that had gone hard and he let it slip where he found it and There's a big crater a few miles from here. He said like, come on I was I was heading to the crater anyways And it's like why would he be going there and then Bonnie pops up and she's like can I come and she's like please? Finn's like staring at a fire and he hears like laughing. It's like a memory But what's interesting, the closed caption says Ice Finn laughing. So at first I'm like, is this a spoiler? Is this something? But we already saw the snowman earlier, and that's clearly not Finn. So maybe Finn found a crown, became like an Ice Finn, but then gave it up. I don't know. So then there's like a knock at the door, and it's Scarab and his human guys. And he's like, good evening, Mr. Mertens, is it? Apologies for calling so late. I'm looking for some friends of mine. Perhaps you've seen them, an old man and a girl with a cat. And then he sees like the old Jake dog with cat's hand, uh, cat's handprint on the forehead when she gave it soup, and And Finn's like, nobody's here except me and my kids. So then um, Scarab's like, oh, I love children. Such a blessing. Well, I'd best continue my search then. And Finn's like, yeah, you'd best. So Scarab walks away and then Finn sneaks to the hayloft and he's like, you have to bounce but there's no one there, because they already left. And then Bonnie pops up out of the hay. Daddy, Jay took the magic kitty to the destiny crater, said I couldn't come. Then he stuffed me in the hay when I said I'd tattle. He's like, get back in the house, wake your siblings, barricade the doors. Then he opens this like huge chest below the loft, and he pulls out like a bundle, it's like this bundle in like a green blanket, like whatever. It has like some like pattern on there. The others have, have reached the crater, they slide down, and Jay says that they have to be quiet while they dig around. And Simon's like, I don't even know where to begin. So cat Cake <laughs> asks, you know, what does a crown smell like? Because you know she can sniff it out with her cat senses. It's like, I don't think cats can do that. So he thinks about it and he's like, well, I, I guess I kind of associate it with the smell of freshly cut grass. And, and Fiona's like, work that thing when she starts like sniffing. So Cake um, takes them. So there's like a like a little piece of wood, and they lift it. And there's kind of like an impression or like pieces of the crown like beneath it. And Cake yells, that's not fair. So Simon touches some of the flakes and then he like says it looks like the crown was annihilated by some very powerful magic or something even worse. And Fiona's like, oh, man. So Simon's like, we'll have to try another universe. Then Cake tries reaching for the remote. Then he's like, let's think about this. And Fiona's like, what's there to think about? There's squat for us here. And then she sees that evil mullet kid sneaking up on Jay. So she's like, Jay, behind you. He, he sees her and kind of like steps towards her and then they smooch. And Fiona and Cake are both like, what? I was like too, he's like, what? So they, they slide down holding hands and Jay's like, cool. She's with me. And, and Cake's like, oh, I love a forbidden romance. I want to hear how these two love bugs got together. Fiona grabs the remote out of Simon's hand and she's like, tell us everything. So Jay's like, well, a couple months back after dad spilled the beans, I came here to see if I could find other cool stuff. So he finds like a crystal from the crown under like the wood. And he's like, mathematical. Then little Destiny yells out. She's like, hey, loser, this dirty hole is Destiny gang territory. Anything you find here is ours. Jay like blushes a bit. Then he's like, he starts climbing up. He's like, I found the most beautiful jewel here tonight. And then when he's like face face to her, he's like, "I also found this old thing," and holds up the actual jewel. So he's calling her the jewel. She blushes. She takes it and she's like, "I'll let you go this time." And he blushes. And she turns around, like blushing, but she's like trying to scowl. And she's like, "But come back again, and I'll gut you." So back in the present, she's like, "And we've been secretly together ever since." Cat's like, "Enemies to lovers, like my favorite." And then little Destiny starts coughing, like pretty violently, fairly violently. And kicks like, "Uh oh, a twist." Jay feels her forehead and he's like, You feel cold again. And then he's like, I've been searching for cures in the old library, but I had no luck so far. Fiona's like, Help her, Simon, you're a doctor. He's like, I'm an antiquarian, damn it. And Jay's like, You really should tell your dad. Uh, little Destiny's like, No, being weak is not an option. Then you hear, That's right, my traitorous daughter. Weakness is worse than that coughing death. Pina and several adults are with them. Pina's like, See, I told you. Like she's been doing mouth high fives with our enemy so then he's like here's your reward and then he like boots him into the crater (laughs) so the little peanut kid goes flying down so he's like father of the year so then uh, the other gang members grab Simon and Fiona because they're like down in the crater now she goes to pull a weapon out of her backpack but it's just like a butter knife and cake extends her arm to punch but it just like falls flat and big destiny grabs little destiny and Jay's like no but big destiny kicks him over then Simon and Fiona are like they're tied up, like wrapped around with cake's arms. And he asks Fiona, "Is like, where's the remote? And she's like, backpack. So little Destiny struggles to get out of her dad's grip. And then the jewel, it's like around her neck on a string. It pops out of her shirt. So big Destiny's like, bro, what's this trash? And she's like, Jay gave it to me. We're in love. And he just like yanks it off. He's like, ha, love is weak, but jewels are hot. And Simon gasps. He's like, that's a piece of the magic crown. It's infused with ice magic. That's what's been making you sick. And Jay's like, oh no. And big, Des- big Destiny's like, of course. Love Romance was just a play by this fart baby to take you down. And he like tosses a jewel. Simon's like, if we can get that jewel, I can use it to reprogram the remote to track magic crowns. And Little Destiny's like, Jay wouldn't do that. And so Big Destiny's like, daughter, prove that you're big time. And he hands her a dagger. And then they hear like a donkey, like Meow! And Finn is at the crater edge he has like the green poncho thing whatever he's on the back of a donkey but then it's like wait it's not a real donkey because it's, it's just like on a thing of wood and it's like slides down in the crater he jumps off and it just keeps like sliding away <laughs> and he pulls off like the the poncho blanket thing or off his mechanical arm and it was covering like a big flamethrower he's like let them go and jay's like dad no and he breaks free and runs up to him. He's like, if you really believe I, I'd hurt you, he like kind of rips open the shirt. He's like, then do it, little Destiny. Finish what you started on the most beautiful night of my life. She's like, you know, go ahead and kill him. Cake is try, trying to stretch to reach the jewel, and then she starts like stretching her, her, her tail. The gang starts chanting, stab, stab, stab. Little Destiny's eyes kind of go big, and she slashes the dude holding Jay's arm. And then he lets go kicks another guy that comes at her and her dad's like huh he pulls out a sword and two goons head towards jay and, and little destiny finn jumps in front of them hits one with a flamethrower and turns it and burns the other guy which i think was i'm pretty sure it was trauma john simon opens the back of the remote and there's like all this like stuff in there <laughs> it's exactly that <laughs> and he sticks uh, the jewel in there uh, big Destiny rushes Finn and then uh, Finn bangs him in the face with a flamethrower and his glasses shatter. And I don't know what this was supposed to mean, but it, he Big Destiny has like big green eyes and big eyelashes. At, for a moment, I was like, wait, is Big Destiny a woman? But he still has a low voice and, and, and pretty sure it's, I don't know what's up with the eyes. Then we see Scarab standing at the crater. He's like, pardon my late arrival. I stopped to pick up some wild fennel. And then he turns into his regular form and leaps down. Big Destiny tells Finn, he's like, You got this, bro. And then they start running. Finn tells Jay to get little Destiny out of out of there. Then Scarab walks up to him. He's like, Ah, oh, that was very sweet. He swings his cane at Finn, but then Finn grabs his arm, swings him around up in the air, and then whoosh, blasts him with a big big blast of flame. And he's like, ah. And he, he gets like he gets up and like spider. He's like on all four. So not I know it's not a spider, but it's like that for him. And and then it's like, wait. He hits, did he just stab Finn in the head with two of his limbs? I don't know how, if he's just pinning him down or if he actually impaled his head. Fiona and Cake both yell, hit, hit the button. But then Scarab grabs Simon's ankle. They all teleport out of there. That's the end of the episode. So it's like, did they just kill Finn and leave all the kids alone now? So that's end episode five. Episode six, The Winter King. So on Fiona's world, we see Gary Prince. He's, he's knocking on her door. And he's like, Fiona, why aren't you texting me back? You're supposed to help me shop today. He knocks again. And he's, like, knocking. And then the door, like, opens. It's like, you know, like, it wasn't. It's like, wait, he knocked several times. How come it didn't open? He goes in there. And he's like, oh, my God. And the place is a mess. It's, like, worse than before. There's even, like, a knocked-over garbage can on her bed. It, way worse than it was before. And Gary's like, she's been robbed. And then Marshall walks out of the bathroom, like, drying his hair. He's like, nah, this is just how she lives. And Gary's like, who are you? And Marsha's like, who are you? So uh, the others, Fiona Cake and Simon and Scarab, they land, like, in this, like, ice place. Simon uh, slips on some ice, and he can't stand. Scarab is, like, right after them. And he's, he's like, come here. But he gets hit by, like, a snow bolt or something like that, freezes over, like, in a block of ice. Then there's a laugh. And uh, the Winter King, right? Because that's the name of the episode. He's like on top of this giant, massive, like penguin. He's like, Were we not friends? You're safe now. And so he has like, you know, blue skin, longish hair. He's he's got glasses. He's wearing a suit, Um, you know, of course, like just like a royal suit, not like not a kind of like in in Fiona's dream in the first episode. She blushes and she's like, Ah. And so Ice King, Winter King, he's like, The rascal is frozen inside my inescapable magic ice. Ha ha. And Simon's like, you? And then he's like, you, blue blazes. And Simon's like, you're a Simon. ice Winter King, he's like, in this world, I'm known as the Witcher King. Cake reaches and grabs a crown. She's like, yoink, okay, let's go. And she runs and she goes like off camera, like around this ice, you know, whatever thing. And the other's just like stand there watching. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, the, off camera, you hear uh, Cake screech. A couple of big uh, Yeti or something like that. They come back carrying her. Fiona grabs her and and she's like, cake didn't mean any harm. And uh, so Winter King's like, a cat named Cake? Ha ha, outrageous. And what is your name, fair lady? She's like, I'm Fiona, Fiona. And she's like, "Uh, the reason we need this crown is to transform Simon. Our world depends on him becoming cursed and magical again. And he's like, is this true, fellow Petrikov? And Simon's like, yeah, I need to get my powers back. Oh, you understand your plight." While you can't take my crown, I believe I can find a solution. And Fiona's like, This is gonna sound nuts, but I think I've been dreaming about you. Ha <laughs> ha I wouldn't be at all surprised. I'm reticle. They go to like his throne room, or whatever, and Simon's like surprised. He's like, It's encased entirely in a beautiful dome of clear ice. Fiona's like actually shivering, and she's like, Yeah, I can tell. He calls for his ice scouts and he asks for like some hot chocolate. Then uh, they, they're they like an ice skate they, they skate away. Fiona Cake just like run after him. And then Simon's like, let me ask you something. How are you so functional? If you're just another cursed Simon. And he's like, how have you done all this? And I Winter King, I keep wanting to call him Ice King. Winter King's like, oh dear, sweet Simon, allow me to share that wisdom. And he, he makes a piano. He starts singing. He's like, I was once just like you, I didn't know what to do, had all those bad feelings and schemes, my poor heart and a chill, till through sheer force of will, I was able to fashion my dreams and build tis winter wonder world full of pine-scented trees and fine menagerie. whatever, yeah. you get the idea. Simon, so he's like, but how'd you do it? You know, It's so hard to resist the crown's power. Winter King says, making something wonderful is as easy as manifesting your own reality. He conquered a crown, but, you know, it's probably been like 100 years ago by now. So perhaps he can show him how. He keeps singing, uh, and then, like, an ice crown is placed on Simon's head, and, you know, it's a big finish. Fiona and Cake are clapping, and (laughs) Cake's like, kiss each other. (laughs) And uh, Winter King's like, don't think. It hasn't occurred to me. Simon, like, touches the ice crown, his ice crown, but then it, like, turns to snow. And Winter King's like, once I've made you a duplicate magic crown... Fiona world will be restored to its former state." And he's like, uh, and Fiona's like, wait, if you tinker with the original curse, will I still be able to fight in the new version? I got stomped in the last world. And he's like, hmm, he pulls out his sword and he like kind of blows on it and it floats to Fiona. And she's like, I can have this? He's like, Ice Scouts, attack. So the, the sword held kind of glows and, and she easily starts easily like fighting them and everything. Then he's like, ha ha, Ice Scouts, unattack. So then Fiona gets, like, all wide, sparkly-eyed. Then he's like, kick the cat. Since I'm giving out gifts, is there anything you desire? She's like, you can charge this phone. He chuckles and raises his hand. And she's like, whoa, it's at 100%. We even have bars now. Yes, haha. I make everything better. And Simon's like, man, I suck. Then the phone chimes. Fiona's like, it's Gary. And she's reading text. Hey, where did you go? Seriously, where are you? Are you dead? Ha-ha. Then we see... Gary typing in their world. He's like, I'm starting to freak out. Marshall tells him, he's like, dude, just chill out. And he's like, Fiona does random slightly stuff, you know, like, like this all the time. She's probably okay. Then the, the phone chimes. I'm okay, exclamation point, exclamation point, you know, like smiley face. Gary sighs in relief, but he says that doesn't let Marshall off the hook. And then he gets another text. And the random dude is probably Marshall Lee. And he's like, see, I was right. Gary's like, oh, I'm so glad she's okay, but I can't believe she's flaking out on me again. He gets up to leave. He's like, I got a ton of errands and, you know, I got to work in my bakery. And Marshall's like, did you make those little biscuit guys Funo's carrying around? He's like, yo, those were hella good. And Gary's like, thanks. And he's like a little embarrassed, blushing, whatever. And then Marshall's like, is there any food where you're heading? He's like, uh, yeah, probably. Cool. I'm starving. Have you heard of this place called Joy? Which I don't know what that meant. They leave and (laughs) Ellis Ellis, P pops out from like under a pile of clothes or whatever. He's like, bring me back something. So Winter King tells Simon that it'll take like a week to make a duplicate crown in his laboratory. Cake exclaims, a week? And Fiona kind of kicks her, she's like, don't be rude. Winter King tells in the meantime, feel free to partake in the pleasures of the Winter Kingdom. Cake points to Candy Mountain and she's like, oh, we should check that place out. And she's like, it looks gnarly as hell. Winter King chimes in. it's like, no, no. It's like, that place is forbidden. I mean, it can be dangerous out there. So it's like, wait, what's that mean? He takes Simon to help him in his lab. The Ice Scouts call Fiona because they're like up on his balcony. They're like, come join us in our training session. She tells Cake to stay there on like a balcony so she doesn't get lost. And she like leaves. And Cake's, you know, she's got the phone. She's like, lost? And she like wanders off. So she's probably playing the the worm game. She's like, we wouldn't be going on any adventures if I hadn't gotten lost. And we see, like, a kid, Marceline playing a bass in, in, like, an ice bedroom. It's like, is she prisoner there or is she just hanging out there? But it's, like, little, like, little kid Marceline, And she goes by a frozen scarab, and she kind of gives the ice a little kick. And then, like, she hears, cat, but it's, like, in her head. And she freaks out. She's like, get out of my head. And she's like, Wait, can you hurt me from in there? And he's like, you two are abominations, a disease. I'll break free of this prison. it just keeps going. Marshall is surprised that Gary's like shopping it. He's like, Oh, you're coming to this part of town? He's like, This is where you get all the good stuff. They enter this like candy supply store, and when they go in there, it's like, it's like packed. It's like, Marshall's like impressed. He's like, Dang. Gary says that this place has the best cocoa powder, that like just a little bit of it will like blow your mind or whatever. And, you know, it has Marshall's, you know, try some. They start talking about like Gary's pastry men, and uh, he says that he has this like 64 step business plan, and Marshall, he, he just wants to know how to get more pastries and he's like, what needs to happen? So Gary's like, Oh, I'll need my own bakery where I can make what I want. So that means cash. Mostly, you know, there's a couple of investors in town. I really want to meet. They're called the lemon carbs. They're, they're these rich twins, you know, behind a food empire. One meeting with them could change my life. Marshall's. He's like, "Uh, I think I, I heard my mom talking about them before. He's like, Lena, you know, looking through some stuff. Gary, like, apologizes. He's like, oh, you know, this is probably boring. And Marshall's like, no, no. He's like, it's cool. He's like, you're so passionate about it. It's impressive to me. And I can't tell if there's, like, vibes going on between Marshall and Gary. Because, you know, there they are in the regular Adventure Time world. Winter King gives uh, Simon his new suit. And Simon's like, oh, thanks. He's like, oh, nonsense. He's like, you looked ugly so the lab is pretty impressive it's like you know totally like decked out and teched out and everything so he puts down his crown under cement this machine he's like commence duplication so this machine starts up simon says he has so many questions he's like is there a betty in this world and winter king's like betty betty haha ha, ah, the dead one yeah i haven't thought about her in a long time and Simon's like but how could you say that she was a great love of our life winter king's like hmm well that's not how i remember it well once you get this new crown, you can always use it to make an ice betty. Ha ha. And he's like, I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be unethical. Then an alarm goes off. And the scout's like, invasion, invasion. This big pink cloud like approaches and shoots like a beam of something. At first it's like, is that a beam of candy? And then in the lab, you know, it blows a part of the lab. The so smoke clears. There's like, it looks almost like like smushed banana people, like underneath like a treadmill. They're almost like they're in a Sunday or something like that. And uh, so someone's like running on the treadmill And she asks if she's like, is someone cooking maple syrup? Because, you know, I smell something saucy. Simon's like, Princess Bubblegum. And she looks kind of crazy. She has big hair sticking up, almost like the two pigtails. And there's like some lollies, like candy in there. She has big, crazy eyes going in different directions. Winter King is like, no, it's a candy queen, sworn enemy of the winter kingdom and a terrible nuisance to me personally. And she's like, baby, baby, why you got to be like that? And he's like, Be gone, vile candy witch!" He puts his hand out, and he kind of strains to attack. But he, then he realizes he doesn't have his crown on. He—it's—it got knocked over from the blast, so it's like on, on the floor. He lunges across the room to get it, but then the Candy Queen blasts him with like taffy or something like that, and he's like, you know, he's stuck to the floor. It's like inches away from it. Simon's like, "Bubblegum, stop!" And she's like, "What?" And she's like, "I'm seeing double, and I love it." Then she takes off with the Winter King, and Simon. Cake was like, "She has Simon." And Ice Cow's like, it's cool, this happens all the time. And it's like, if you come along, Fiona, and aid us with your magical sword, we can rescue them both. And Fiona's eyes get like wide and sparkly. She's like, Action stuff. Gary and Marshall are buying more stuff. They go to a store like honey, and you know, Gary gets some like uh, one of those like honey stick things. Um, he's looking at some cookbooks at a store, and Marshall's like looking at like used records. And then it's like cold outside because it's snowing. So to go and get coffee. And then they're sitting at this bus stop. And then Marshall's like, where to next? Then Gary picks up a paper and acts like he's reading it because they're sitting across from the bakery um, store that he works at and like with the mean owner. And, you know, she's like locking up for night. So then as soon as she leaves, Gary's like, let's go. They use this key to get going through the back. And Marshall's like, you're stealing kitchen time. That's kind of punk. And Gary's like, ha. It's like, maybe I am kind of punk. So Gary goes inside. Then he like pops out. He's like, are you coming? And Marshall's like, I'll be there in a sec. And then he takes his phone out. And he's like, hey, it's me. So I was like, what's that about? Candy Queen arrives at her kingdom. She takes the Simons to this like taffy prison cell. Winter King tells Simon, like, no need to worry. He's like, this maniac has kidnapped at me lots of times. She thinks we belong together. And Simon's like, but why? The Candy Queen starts singing a song on the keyboards. And, and she's talking about like all this stuff and putting them together, you know, and putting them in a blender and becoming one and all this stuff like that does this whole big song at the end, Simon's like, that's actually a nice metaphor. And she's like, it's not a metaphor. And then like the walls go up and you see this big room behind them, there's like a huge actual like blender. And Simon's is like, "Uh, so this happens a lot? And Winter King's like, not this part, this is an escalation. Gary gives uh, Marshall a gingerbread guy and he's like, holy crap, this is sublime. I think you're ready to show your goods to some investor like those lemon carbs. And Gary's like, what? Oh no, 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 no. It's like, these still need work. I would just die if I had to show this version to the lemon carbs. Marshall's like, uh, excuse me for a second. I'll be right back. So he goes out and like the main part of the, of the store, then he texts, he starts texting to the lemon carbs. He's like, "Never mind. Going to have to cancel. But their limo pulls up before he can hit send. Then Gary comes out. He's like, is everything okay? And he, uh, Marshall's like, uh, surprise and Gary sees them like outside and he's like, <gasps> the Ice Scouts and Fiona and Cake arrive at the Candy Kingdom. The, there's like mutilated banana guards like waiting. Fiona yells, for the king, they charge. She's like slashing away, impaling banana guards. This is the feeling I was chasing. This is what I was missing, onward. Candy Queen is bringing the Simons up some stairs They're like tied up in like licorice. So they are going to the top of the blender. The speeds are I think like one, two and kill or something like that, I forget what it was. So they're they're going up to the top of the blender. Simon says that she deserves their help because he knows that there's a brilliant person in there, uh, you know, just trying to get out. (laughs) But you see, as they're walking, she's like scratching her bottom with like the ice crown, like the tip of it. And uh, Winter King's like, oh, we don't need to fix her. We just need to be rescued. The lemon carbs sit at a table. Gary brings out like this big cake that's like decorated with his food. And it's like the people from uh, Princess Bubblegum's kingdom. And he's like, I'd like you to meet the party mention or something like that. The lemon carbs look and they're like, "Mm -hmm." they start, they they start looking and then he starts like like gobbling them down, like chomping away. And one's like, they, they taste nice, but I hate their little faces. And Gary's like, Gary's like, that's, that's the the part of it. It's like all big goods, are characters and their bakeries like their kingdom. And he's like, if you buy a uh, choco berry, you get a discount on Mr. Cupcake because they're married. It's food with a story. And then he's like, so what do you think? And then you hear like their chairs like, like scoot their chairs out and they run out to their limo. they like, we hate it. And then the tire squeal. And Gary's like, oh. Fiona and Cake and the scouts kick open this big door and the Simons, you know, they're in the, at the top of the blender. They're like yelling for help. They're about to be dropped. So they're like, you know, she's holding the licorice rope, and they're, like, kind of leaning over towards the edge of the blender into, like, the, the big bowl with the, the beaters. Fiona, like, starts slicing her way up the stairs, like cutting out, you know, guards or whoever's in her way, and she calls out to the candy queen, and it's, then Simon tells her to stop. He's like, there's something wrong with her brain, but it can be fixed. Winter King, like, kind of rolls over. He's like, no, we can't. Knock her out. And then Fiona's like, yes, my king. So she does, like, a little flip, or whatever. She ends up kicking the Candy Queen and she is almost like she's knocked out. Then the Scouts um, turn off the blender. Winter King is happy. Uh, then Fiona gives him his crown back, and she wonders. She's like, "Am I dreaming?" And he's like, "Embrace me, fair Fiona." And she's like, "Okay." They smooch, and then the crown flickers, and it kind of the, the the gems kind of turn drab, or go from red to like almost like brown, and then her sword starts to melt. Ice uh prince's nose starts to get smaller and he's like, Huh? What? What's happening? My magic, it's gone. And then he looks like Simon for a second, and then he starts getting old and withered. And he's like, Fiona, help me. And she gets a, like a little gross silence. She like lets go of him. He hits the floor and whoosh, turns into like a cloud of dust. And, and then like you just see like the, the the crown sitting on top. And then the ice scouts, they like melt. Cake <laughs> cakes just continue eating pastries. Which I wonder if she's eating people or they're actually pastries. Simon picks up the crown and he's like, just metal and glass. Then the candy queen like groans. She turns into like a pink glob, like just whatever. That, and then like the blob or whatever, it turns into like regular princess bubblegum. And she's like, I'm free. And she like kicks the crown away. She's like, the curse has been lifted. Simon's like, now it all makes sense. Winter King cast a spell to project the madness of the crown onto you. And she's like, yeah, it zapped right into my brain basket. So Simon's like, I apologize for the terrible behavior of my fellow Simon, but I do feel kind of vindicated. And she's like, there's much work to be done. Where are my beloved candy citizens? They're like all groaning in pile. Kate gets like really big to block the view. She's like, uh, well, well, we'll go look. Princess Bubblegum goes up to Fiona. She's like, it's like a fairy tale. Your kiss removed a curse. And then she makes like a big lollipop and she kind of sticks it like on her, her chest. And she's like, I thank you, brave knight. And Fiona kind of blushes a little bit. She kisses her cheek and she's like, I'm not a brave knight. And she picks up like the, the faded crown and sits next to Cake, like down on the stairs. And she's like, what did I do wrong? And then there's like some dripping above them, Scarab standing on a ceiling. So he is free too, because everything melted. He's like, what you did wrong is exist. He goes to jump down on them, but then Kate grabs Fiona and, they, and jumps out of the way. They're like Simon, get us out of here, and he like presses a button, and they're gone. And Scarab's like just misses them, and he like screams. And Wah. Gary and Marshall are cleaning up the bakery to place. Marshall's like, hey, at least they like the flavors. Gary like doesn't say anything because he just looks sad. Then Marshall's like, look, I'm I'm sorry, I spring that on you. I I thought I was helping. He's like, I should have asked. And Gary's like, oh, it's probably good they came now. It's like I would have fiddled with that pastry recipe forever. Then Marshall's like, so where does a chocolate dip strawberry go to meet a cupcake anyways? And Gary's like, Ah, oh, come on, don't make fun of me. He's like, no, I really want to know. And Gary's like, well, funny story. It all began during a slumber party candy zombie outbreak, which is like the first episode of Adventure Time. Then uh, we see Simon and Cake. They're sitting like on this baby quilt world he has like a baby ice King with like a squeaky crown. And he's like, and Cake has like a baby Finn, Jake, and tree trunks. So Simon's like, this one's not gonna work either. Like the crown. Then Simon and Cake uh, go back to Fiona. She's like kind of moping in a chair. And she's like, back there, I thought I was living my dream. I was just hurting a bunch of innocent candy people. And Simon's like, that place is messed up because that Simon was messed up. The next world will have a magic crown that will work and I'll be cursed the right way. And he puts out his fist. Fiona like kind of bumps fist bumps him (laughs) and then baby Finn fist bumps too. And that's the end of the episode. that's it. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, I I'm I'm just, I'm digging the show and uh, I'm so happy that we have this and I just, I wish it wasn't two per week because I want this to last longer. I don't want to like blow through all the episodes and then we got nothing. All right. Then we have the movie feature, which is a haunting in Venice. So this is the next uh, movie with uh, the Kenneth Kenneth Branagh character. He plays a Her, 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 I can never say his name. Hercule P- P- Perot? Perot. 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 I don't even know. So these are the Agatha Christie um, movies. Which I'm kind of I'm surprised at this because I didn't even hear when this was in development. All of a sudden it's like wait, there's a trailer for this, and I don't even remember like a teaser or hearing anything about this. And so so like Murder in the Orient Express came out in two thousand seventeen. Death of the Nile, wasn't that 2022? And now we're at 2023, right? And we have another movie? I I get that these movies aren't like super duper high tech. You know, there's no CG. There's no like going locations really necessarily. Uh, And this movie itself. um, So one of the things I'm already going to be jumping all over the place. One of the things that I like about this movie compared to the other, it's because it's not just more the same thing. You know, if you look at the movies, you have, OK, here's like the world's greatest detective or investigator or whatever. He's going to solve this impossible, you know, mystery that could get a little old, redundant. You know, yeah, there's going to be some fun and appeal to it. But what's what's different about this one is you look at the first movie and you know, we're on Orient Express. You're on this train. So, you know, there are some limitations there. But, you know, the, the train does stop and you, know, you see different stuff and everything like that. The second movie, you know, Death and the Nile, they're like all over the place, all over the Nile and stopping off, going, you know, to the pyramids or whatever. But this one, it's um, because it's in Venice, and they they go to they go to this Halloween party. Then there's a séance, um, but then there's like a storm, so they kind of get like locked in the house. They're kind of trapped there, so it's really confined to this house. So even though there's multiple floors and rooms and everything like that, it still it has that tight feel because the way the house is, you know, they're kind of smaller. You know, they're not like sp- sprawled out and everything. So I I feel like that. And and because this takes place during the night, it's it just it kind of it kind of limits the vibe and, and the atmosphere rather than just big, giving it like this big grand adventure, like that we saw in Death of the Nile. So I, I think it was kind of cool with that. And while like Death of the Nile, and even the, the Murder Orient Express, you know, the, you have these huge casts, you know, all these these famous people, and it's cool to see all them you know taking part in this. It can be a tiny bit distracting. We're like, oh, there's that person. There's that person, and everything. So what, what's nice about this, you know, even though it's like, oh, there's Tina Fey. You know, she's cool. It, it, it's and you know, Jamie Dorham, I mean, some people may not. That's how you say saying Some people may not even recognize him who he is. So it's like there wasn't um, all the actors. They did. A, they did a good job. You know, some better than others. Some were just oh, okay, but. There, there, you didn't get any like big distract. It'd be like like oh, there's Brad Pitt being like a regular you know shoe salesman or something like that. Where it's just like it it throws you off a little bit. So I also like, like that aspect to it. The other thing that, that's a little different about this one is I think this is um, ten years after Death of a Nile. Kenneth Branagh, uh, Hercule, cool, whatever. He's like he's like in retirement. You know, he's he's like kind of bitter and stuff like that and you know he's not not doing any investigating you know so he's retired in, in venice and you know when people see him they're, they're trying you know they have all these problems they want him to solve and stuff like that and he's just ignoring him because he doesn't want to do that anymore he's he's done with that so i i think that that's interesting oh one thing that i another thing i thought was interesting is so the the book that this is based on it's not called a haunting in venice uh, i'm pretty sure and i i should look this up i'm pretty sure Murder on the Orient Express is the name of the book, right? And I feel like Death on the Nile is the actual uh, title. I sh- I could easily look it up. I'm resisting doing that. I don't want to do that. But this one is is actually based off a book called Halloween Party. I, you know, because it, it says in the beginning opening credits or whatever you, know, you see, based off the novel. And so I was like, that's interesting that they went with a haunting in Venice. I I guess a haunting in Venice sounds more eloquent or more. You know, because like uh, Murder on the Orient Express has this kind of like long, not really like your typical t- title, and Death on the Nile, you know, it's kind of similar or whatever. So I think they're trying to go with that same pattern rather than Halloween Party. Because I mean, if, if I s- didn't know anything about it and I heard Halloween Party, one, it'd be like, oh, is this like Michael Myers? Or is this just some like, you know, teenage slasher movie? So I, I guess it's probably a good idea that, that they, they change that. Um, the other thing that's. Uh, if you watch the trailer, cause you know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil things. And I think this is where I'm, I'm I, so I liked the movie. I enjoyed the movie, but I almost feel like I need to watch it again because there's some things it's like, wait, where's this kind of going? What is this establishing? Cause if you watch the trailer and the other thing that's kind of neat about this is this is kind of dipping more into like, wait, is there a supernatural element to this? Is that possible? Because from what we know in the other two movies, that it's like just like a regular you know reality, a regular world. So here, if they're saying, "Wait, now we have the possibility that there could be some sort of supernatural entities like ghosts or whatever like that, that's like changing everything, because like in our real world, some people say there's ghosts, some people say there's not. Some people are like, "Well, where is there's no concrete hardcore evidence? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, whatever. but here. If you look at the trailer, they're like, wait, are they, like, just putting their foot down saying, yes, this is happening? But then you also, you know, because Hercules, the reason he goes to this, um, or part of the reason he goes to this party in seance is because there's supposed to be a medium there. And I think it just gets to it where he can't resist the urge to discredit someone because he, he, you know, he he finds it appalling that someone would prey on the weak and you know take advantage and you know take money from them and just you know tear at their heartstrings or whatever. So you kind of have that bit of it where it's like, okay, is this all fake or not? But then things kind of keep going and it's like, wait, is he seeing something? Is there something because you know you look at the trailer like, wait, is that just for the sake of a trailer or is that really happening? And um, I, I won't go into more detail on that. As far as the movie, you know, the mystery and stuff like that, it, there is um it is, you know, it is a good mystery because, you know, there's always like, well, you don't really know what's happening. And, you know, of course, there'll be some people like, like, oh, I knew that right away. I called it. You know, you always get those people that they, they know everything. It's like, why aren't you like, you know, an actual detective because you could solve all the the mysteries of the world and, you know, we wouldn't have to do anything because we'd have all the answers. But it it was an enjoyable story, and uh, I, I I I I think it was good. I'll admit that I think for me I might have been a little tired watching it because you know I I went to a later evening show after working all day, and um, but I I did like it, and I'm really glad that they made this movie, and I would I would totally see another. I I would like to see more, even though you know it, at, at its essence you know they're. They're not overly complex, but I think the complexity is coming up with like the mystery that's not easily solved, you know, because you have all these characters and, you know, most likely one of those characters, you know, who done it? one of those characters is probably the one that did it. And, you know, unless like some other random person comes in that was hiding behind the curtains that, you know, we just didn't realize. So it is kind of interesting wondering, it's like, OK, who has a motive, who could have had the opportunity and all that. So I, I just think these movies are a lot of fun and by being a little toned down with that, you know, cause this isn't like the typical action movies that I tend to watch all, all the time. So it is nice seeing something that's, that's low. I don't I was going to say lower scaled. I don't know if that's necessarily right, but it's, it's kind of nice to see something that's driven more by story and acting and not just, you know, fancy visual effects, which, you know, I totally love that. I'm not trying to dismiss or, 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 you know, cut that down. So I, I think this was a lot of fun as, as a change of pace to, to see how things play out. So I would definitely say, you know, if if you watch the other two and, you know, you like Kenneth Branagh's performance and you should definitely check this out. Oh, I didn't mention Michelle. Yao. She was in there. She was, she was great in this. I I, I love her. And, um, it's, it's, it's a good movie. And, um, there's some parts where you're like, it's, it's cool. So if you've seen the other movies, you definitely should see this. Do you need to see it in a big theater? I, if you're a fan of the other ones, I would say definitely, you know, there's, there's no like big, huge, you know, it's like, oh, you need to see this in IMAX or something like that. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. But there is something about seeing it in a big theater with the sound system and everything like that, versus if you watch it at your house where it might not be super dark or you might get distractions or, and everything like that. So it's nice when you're in a theater, because that forces you to sit there and watch where, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be on your phone checking your email or whatever. Or getting up to, you know, go in the fridge, you know. So there, there's something to be said about the whole theater experience, and you know, I, I will, you know, endorse that, you know, as, as long as I it exists, because there's just such an experience with that, and I think that enhances, you know, a movie like this. That you know, it doesn't need all that glory, you know, the visuals, and, you know, whatever presentation, but it is fun and it's it's it immerses you in the movie more. So, that's all I'll say. It, it, was, it was good. It was fun. You should watch it. And I'm going to say that's it for this week because my, my throat's getting a little scratchy now. <clears throat> so, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I just... Finished uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 50, Stanley John Romita. And um, I haven't decided if I'm going to do an Off of My Mind this week or jump back into another comic series. Um, I, 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 may, I should do a movie sometime again, but we'll, we'll see. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or chew. It's ko-fi.com. Slash G-Man from Heck. What's going to happen next week? Um, so we got no more Twisted Metal. We have one more Ahsoka. We have one more Harley Quinn. Um, we'll probably have two more Fiona and Cakes. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, because the, the Continentals coming up. That might have to be the next week, because I think that's a Friday show, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it in time. And um, I don't know anything else. The movie feature will be x Expend four bowls, expend four bowls, expendable four, expendables four. I got some stuff to to say about that, about like one, two, and three. So uh, yeah, and there's nothing else coming out in theaters. I've only seen one trailer for it, and that's all I want to see. I don't want to know anything more about the story or the plot or anything like that. So that is going to be it for this week. I hope you are doing well. Hope you're taking care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm trying to take care of myself. I hope you remember, be good to each other.